It's now time for the Billy C Show, part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligiorno. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. And guess what? I'm going to be going down there sooner than I thought because Sal owes me dinner. That's right. We had a little uh, wager on the Anthony Joshua Andy Ruiz Jr. contest, so uh, I'm going to start uh, fasting and get ready to go down there and uh, make a uh, pig of myself at Sal's, so uh, you should join us. Sit at my table. We'll make pal- Sal pay for your dinner, too. Today's show is also brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Check out our website, www.billycboxing.com, and get yourself uh, a copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. It's a great game. It's not, uh, you know, as graphical-oriented as uh, uh, as some of the new games are. But what this game does is it gives you the ability to uh, put some of your favorite fighters against each other and, uh, you know, uh, make weight changes if you want. Uh, are they in their peak, et cetera, et cetera, and see how the computer uh, would uh, generate the fight. And they go round by round. You could put a Rocky Marciano up against a Deontay Wilder or something like that. It's a great game. Get yourself a copy. Make sure you mention Billy C. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week boxing channel. Uh, it's on all the major streaming platforms like uh, Roku, etc., etc. Just go to GinecoUSA.com. Sign up today for free. That's Ginico, G-I-N-I-K-O, USA, uh, com, and sign up uh, right now. And check it out, man. We've got some great stuff up there. Not only do we replay uh, these shows, uh, but we have all of the specials we've done over the years. Uh, the Boxing Revisited TV series that Sal and I did. Uh, all those episodes are up. A lot of uh, live events we did are up there. Uh, some early, early stuff uh, that Dax and, and Alex and myself did. Uh, we actually filmed them in a hotel room. You got to check it out, man. Check it out. There's a lot of good stuff. We've been doing this for 15 years, and uh, it's uh, it's fun to watch 24-7. Uh, just go there different times. Don't go there at the same time. You watch the same thing, the programming. I, I got to update the uh, 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 programming. Uh, we uh, we put new stuff up there all the time, so, uh, so check it out. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my favorite barbecue rub, Kenny Bears. Hey, listen, I put this stuff on everything, everything. Uh, it was designed by my man Kenny himself to put on uh, like pork, you know, when you're doing a pork butt or something in a smoker. Uh, but uh, lo and behold, I put it on pizza. I put it on my burgers on the grill. It's great stuff. Uh, go to GourmetSpice.com. 
and uh, uh, get yourself a bottle right now. Make sure you tell them uh, Billy C sent you or just click the link on our website. And finally, uh, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Pettis Men and the Plan is available right now. Where all good books are sold. You can get a copy right now where you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about uh, getting Tom Molino's story told. If you want a signed copy, drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, or just visit the website and click the link. It's still, you still got time. You still got time to stuff the stocking with it. Because, you know, we designed this book specifically so it would fit in a stocking. See, you only stick it right in. Get yourself a copy. All right. Um, we'll be uh, chatting with my man, uh, Sal and Dax and Alex and uh, Emily, who was live at the uh, Terrence Crawford Kavalaskis fight last night at Madison Square Garden. All the great shots uh, you see around the internet were taken by uh, my girl Emily Harney. Uh, so we'll get her thoughts uh, uh, a little later. Uh, first and foremost, in case you missed it, um, Terrence Crawford stopped uh, Kavalaskis uh, in the ninth round. Uh, the official time was 44 seconds of the ninth round to improve to 36 and over 27 of his wins coming by knockout. And uh, Mean Machine uh, Kavalaskis uh, loses the first time in his career. 21 uh, wins, one loss, one draw. 17 of his wins coming by knockout. It was an exciting fight. Um, Kavalaskis was no easy opponent. You know, I, I started uh, getting uh, some, some, and we're going to read some of the emails later, but, you know, I was getting some... Uh, a flack over Kavalaskis and people saying about Crawford and everything else. You know, I, let me just tell you something about Kavalaskis. Just because you may never have heard of him doesn't mean he wasn't a quality fighter. This was a real fighter. If you look at his resume, and when I break down these fights, obviously we didn't do a pre-fight on this one, but when I break down these fights, I look carefully at the level of opposition that he fought. And if you look at this guy, um, you can see a trend with all of his fights uh, going back to uh, 2016, um, actually 2017 is when he really starts kicking it up. Uh, he fought a lot of these top 10 guys that other fighters avoid, you know, and, and he was a lot better than people thought. And he showed it last night in, in New York because uh, he gave uh, Crawford a hard time, even though Terrence uh, didn't uh, uh, say that he was hurt and he was uh, trying to, you know, uh, Give the fans a show. Listen, whenever a fighter tells you that, and and I love Terrence Crawford. You guys know he's he's one of my top guys. As a matter of fact, I think he's tied uh, for number one pound for pound with Vasily Lomachenko. And you could actually even throw in uh, Canelo Alvarez in that mix. I mean, theoretically, you, you could mix those top three in the, in anywhere in one, two, or three, and and I wouldn't you wouldn't get an argument from me. Um, but uh, you know, he says, "Yeah, I was, uh, uh, I was trying to, you know, give you guys an entertaining fight, you know." And I'm saying, "You know, you know what? I, the only trainers or fighters that ever really do that, that you know, uh, pussyfoot around, so to speak, in a fight uh, to uh, to let it go rounds, or you hear sometimes a, a trainer will say, oh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, we wanted this fight to go rounds. We wanted him, we wanted so and so to get some rounds.' That's BS." 
because you don't want to screw around. You want to go in there and take care of business. Yes, some fighters like Terrence Crawford like to break down their opponent. Fine. That's different than, oh, yeah, I, was, uh, I wanted to entertain you guys, so I decided to take a few hard shots. No, that's not what happens. Uh, but in any event, I thought it was a great performance by Terrence Crawford. It was a typical Terrence Crawford performance, to be honest with you. I mean, that's what he does. You know, he can mix it up from the right side or the left side, uh, orthodox or southpaw, if you southpaw, if you will. Um, but uh, this guy does it, man. You know, he, he breaks down his opponents. He's extremely accurate. He's fast. You know, they're saying, uh, uh, oh, Kowalowskis, uh, you know, he's fighting a good game plan. Yeah, because he's a good fighter. You know, I, I mean, he, he was patient. He didn't rush in there. And, uh, you know, Crawford did what he had to do. Uh, yeah, you know, you can make an argument um, that, uh, uh, you know, in the second round that that Crawford went down. I, I don't know because of, of the knee. Um, you know, it was ruled a slip. I, I think it could have gone either way, but I agree with Terrence Crawford. I didn't think he was really hurt. I mean, uh, Dre, you know, Andre. I don't know about you, man, but that drives me insane. I mean, Andre Ward was Andre Ward. And they say it every time. Hey, Dre, uh, Dre, uh, Dre, you know, it's like, hey, we're talking to you, Andre. Andre, Andre. Oh, Dre. Yeah, you know, uh, I disagree with, with some of the stuff he says. But I, I will say this. Uh, he and Timothy Bradley, along with uh, Joe Tessitore, what a solid crew uh, for uh, uh, top rank. You, you got to give him uh, credit there. Also on that card, Teofimo Lopez uh, proved that he's for real. He, he improved to 15-0 with 12 knockouts uh, when he knocked out Richard Comney, who uh, was the champion, the IBF lightweight champ, at 1 minute and 13 seconds of the second round. Uh, what a shot. Ba-boom. And uh, Comey went down. I, I don't disagree with the stoppage. He was in trouble. Um, you know, he, he clearly was in trouble. And uh, Teofimo Lopez, uh, with that victory, you know, he's an exciting fighter. Uh, you love him. There's only one problem. Uh, the lightweight division is kind of controlled right now uh, by the uh, WBA, WBC, and WBO world champion, some guy named Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, so Teofimo Lopez uh, seemingly will be fighting Lomachenko uh, sometime in April. Uh, interesting fight. You know, Lopez is uh, a young fighter. He's got extremely fast hands. We obviously have seen uh, the punching power by him. Uh, but he has to step in the ring with Lomachenko, who's, you know, <laughs> uh, pound for pound uh, top fighter in the world. You know, uh, uh, but he's aging. You know, it's going to be, I, I like the fight. I like the fight. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, also uh, on that card, uh, Michael Colin, uh, Conlon, I'm sorry. Uh, improved to 13 and 0 with seven knockouts when he won a unanimous decision over Vladimir uh, uh, Nikitin, uh, who drops uh, his first fight. He's three and one. Uh, you know the thing is, is these highly decorated uh, fighters, uh, highly decorated in the amateurs. Um, you put an asterisk next to so this. It's not like uh, Conlon fought uh, your typical three and 0 fighter. Uh, he was fighting a, a, a very good. 3-0 and fighter, similar to himself uh, with a, uh, you know, amateur uh, pedigree. Um, the way the uh, judges saw it, uh, the closest judge had it, 98-92. Uh, the second had it, 99-91. The final judge had it a blowout, 100-90, to all in favor of Conlon. Uh, so back to uh, uh, the Terrence Crawford fight. Um, you know, people are always... Uh, 
criticizing him uh, for not uh, fighting, um, you know, uh, the top fighters in the welterweight division. But what is he supposed to do? I mean, if they don't want to uh, fight him, you can't force uh, fighters to fight. Uh, you really can't. And for the most part, I think that, um, you know, he's he's there. I mean, I, I think he's uh, arguably the, the top uh, welterweight uh, in, in the world today. I, 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 I honestly believe so. You know, you look at uh, the landscape of the welterweight division, Errol Spence, who uh, is a champion of uh, the IBF and WBC, um, and then you have uh, the WBO champion, who's Terrence Crawford, and then you have the WBA, who has 97 uh, champions. Uh, Manny Pacquiao uh, is one of them. Um, you know, uh, who does Terrence Crawford fight? He's got to fight any one of those guys, uh, any one of the, the 97 WBA world champs in that division, or he could uh, fight Errol Spence. Uh, you know, rumor has it Errol Spence may not be fighting again. Uh, that... Uh, injury uh, from the accident uh, was a little more serious than people think. Uh, you know, I saw some photos of him, and he didn't look, uh, he looked like something was off. Maybe it's just going to take a while, but I, I, I'm expecting not to see the same Errol Spence back in the ring, but uh, that's the fight we all want to see, Errol Spence against Crawford. Um, you know, who's preventing that fight? Well, I, you know, listen, when I look at the landscape of boxing today, uh, I see, uh, you know, Matchroom Sport, uh, Hearns. Uh, I see uh, Golden Boy Promotions, and I see Top Rank all willing to, to fight each other on cross networks, et cetera, et cetera. The only one that's, uh, you know, seemingly trying to continue, um, you know, basically with division of the sport of boxing is the PBC. You know, you look at, at their fighters, with the exception of Andy Ruiz Jr., who they didn't think was going to beat Anthony Joshua, they let him go fight Anthony Joshua. But all the other champions fight other PBC fighters. Um, you know, that's great for for uh, Al Heyman and, and the PBC. Uh, you know, they, they got uh, a bunch of sucker fans following them, uh, and, you know, they, they think that uh, the, like guys like the Charlo brothers are, are quality fighters. I mean, you know, who have they fought? Uh, I think if the PBC, as we're looking at 2020, uh, right around the corner, if the PBC can just step it up and put the big boy pants on as a unit and uh, start to fight the other promotional fighters, a la Matchroom and uh, Top Rank and, and Golden Boy, man, would we have some great fights. We would have some great fights, great, great fights. Uh, but it's up to them. And you can't blame uh, Terrence Crawford for not fighting uh, other fighters in with other promotional firms uh, when they don't want to fight him. And speaking of Terrence Crawford, I've about had it with everybody saying that he doesn't fight anybody. I, I, I you guys got to go back and look at the whole thing with Terrence Crawford. All right, uh, you got to go all the way back to 2013. Now, don't take your socks and shoes shoes off. I, I'll, I'll just I'll just help you. Okay, it was six years ago. All right. And, you know, he was brought in to fight Brutus Prescott. And uh, that fight was in Las Vegas. And, you know, the powers that be were trying to get Brutus Prescott uh, um, a win um, at the time. You know, this is a guy that there was a lot of 
fanfare about. He had beaten Amir Khan, etc., uh, etc. Et and they figured, well, this guy Terrence Crawford from Nebraska, who's he fighting, you know, in Nebraska? And uh, he was undefeated, and they bring him in. Clearly, Terrence Crawford was the B-side. And what does he do? He wins a decision over Prescott. Um, his next fight, same thing. They make him go to Dallas, and he fight, fought Alejandro Santabria. Again, he was the B-side, and it was for an NABO lightweight title. This is when he was still fighting in the lightweight, and he beats him, knocks him out. And then he goes and again against Andre Kilimov, B-side, uh, for the world title, and he wins that fight, a decision. Uh, Ricky Burns, he had to go over to Glasgow. In, in Scotland, and he was the B-side fighter. Again, he wins that fight. He goes in with Yoriakis Gamboa, uh, and this time, uh, you know, you could make an argument that he was a B-fighter, uh, and they had it in Omaha, Nebraska, because they knew that they could make uh, some money with that. He beats him. And then they realize, wait a minute, maybe we got something here. And they give him Ramundo Beltran, who's a tough fighter, beats him. Thomas Delorme beats him. Derry Jean, okay. Derry Jean had a really good record at the time when he fought him, uh, but I knew that this was a mismatch and he beats him. Hammer and Hank Lundy was a who-knows kind of a fighter. You never know uh, what happens with him, and he beat him. You know, he takes on Victor Postal, who was a top lightweight at the time. He beats him. John Molina, okay, one-dimensional fighter, but a tough guy, knocks him out. Uh, Felix Diaz beats him, all right? Um, then he moves up. Uh, unifies the title against Ndongo, uh, Julius Ndongo, who's uh, knocking people out, uh, becomes a welterweight, fights Jeff Horn, who beat Manny Pacquiao, knocks him out, uh, takes on a much bigger Jose Benavides Jr., knocks him out uh, in his last fight uh, before last night, takes on and knocks out Amir Khan, named fighter, still dangerous opponent, and then he fought Kavaluskas. Listen, anybody that says that he doesn't have a good resume doesn't know the sport of boxing i'm sorry this guy has it all he breaks his opponents down he goes in for the kill he's an exciting fighter i don't know how people uh don't like him you know i, I really it, it it shocks me uh to see you know some of the negativity uh that's around him um oh he doesn't fight anybody oh he's ducking this one he's ducking that one i, I don't think he's ducking anybody i you know i think he fights you know who's available to him and i i think he fights uh the fighters that you know are willing to fight him the truth of the matter is is that uh terence crawford in my opinion uh you know he's the guy that's being ducked he's not ducking anybody you know you could see it in him uh the kind of guy that he is last night you know kavaluskas was not uh, an easy opponent for him you know he was an unknown opponent and I think that that's what the issue was with a lot of people giving him, uh, you know, uh, not cutting him any uh, slack about, uh, you know, who's he fighting? Oh, is he fighting this Kavaluskas guy? You know, yeah, well, who is he? You know, we, we found out last night he was a pretty good fighter. Uh, he just had the uh, unfortunate task of stepping in with a uh, a pound-for-pound pound fighter. And uh, speaking of pound-for-pound, pound, a guy who's pound-for-pound pound number one in my book, Sal Rocky. Senecola joins us right now. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. What a great night of fight. I thought so. And I was just talking about uh, Crawford. Uh, you know what? People give him a hard time, but this Kavaluskas guy was uh, was a tough cat. What did you think of the fight? 
I love the fight, and you know, uh, definitely the Cavalier Doodle. I can't say the name. Uh, <laughs> I he, he won me over as a fan. He's my type of fighter, you know that. He comes forward, he's looking to land the big punches, and that was a knockdown. He knocked Crawford down. I I, I don't care what the judges say, they uh, they didn't give him the knockdown, but he did uh, knock him down. And I'll tell you what, though, Crawford just proved to be who he is. I mean, he he zones in, and uh, he can get caught with some punches, but uh, I'll tell you, in the end, he's a hell of a finisher, Billy. I'll tell you what, he he's devastating when he wants to when he has you hurt. He's going to finish you. There's no question about it. And you know, uh, Kavaluskas, you know, I, you know who I kept thinking last night. Uh, every time they they mention his name, I, I thought uh, I thought uh, uh, of John Muskiunas. John is uh, uh, a Lithuanian descent as well, and and Kavaluskas yes. uh, uh, is a Lithuanian fighter. And before I uh, met John, I I didn't know much about Lithuania uh, and the type of people that are from there. But I do know one thing: after watching last night, they could produce some good fighters because uh, uh, Kavaluskas I thought was a quality fighter. I'll admit. I didn't know much about him, but during my research on this fight, I found that, you know, when you look at his record, Sal, and I was saying this a few moments ago, you know, he fought a a whole collection of fighters that other fighters avoid. You know, like you and I have talked many times on and off the air about when a young fighter is being brought up and the types of fighters they put him in with, they put him in with easy win fights, not the tough guys that they should be tested against. And when I started researching Kavaluskas' record, that's the kind of fighters he fought for most of his career. Yes, yes, and that's a big point. Uh, you know, I had the fighter uh, even in the sixth round, and ultimately before the knockout I had uh, Terrence Crawford ahead 77 to 74. But I'll, I'll tell you, it was a good competitive fight, and I liked it because he was always in the mix. And you 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 sensed he's got the power to end the fight. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way for him, and Terrence Crawford proved to be one of the best fighters pound for pound today. And uh, as he knows how to finish off a fighter, so it was it was a very good fight. I, I, I thought the uh, first fight I saw was the uh, – um, Carlin and the Sladonian uh, um, or whatever, what is his name? The, the, the Russian fight. The Russian fighter, Valamir Nikitin? Nikitin, yes, yes, yes. And I had that, actually, I had it as a draw, 95 to 95. It was a good fight, I thought. And, and then you look at uh, Rich, Richard Comey versus uh, Lopez, Lopez, I'm an instant fan of Lopez. I'll tell you, what a solid right hand. He almost took his head off in that um, second round. Tiafimo Lopez is uh, uh, a fighter to, to that definitely uh, is there. I mean, 15 and 0, 12 knockouts now. Uh, Comey was uh, nothing to uh, uh, you know take lightly. Seemed like Comey was in there with not a care in the world. Uh, until he found himself in in serious trouble with that first knockdown in the second round. Uh, Here's the only problem about Lopez, Sal. You know, that performance and and picking up that belt, now he has to step in with uh, Vasily Lomachenko uh, early 2020 uh, because Lomachenko has the other three major belts 
And we all heard Vasily say many times that he wants to unify uh, the division. So I don't know how he would fare against uh, Lomachenko. He does bring power. He does bring speed. But is that enough for a guy like Lomachenko? You know, I'll tell you what, that is going to be one of the fights I do not want to miss because that's going to be a hell of a fight, I think. And, you know, Lomachenko is so elusive, he, he, he defines the art of boxing. And Lopez, I mean, he could get lucky with that, get him in the wheelhouse, man, one shot to the body and another one overhand right to the head, you never know. But, uh, again, Lopez, uh, I think Lomachenko is, is a masterful, artful, as you and I have often said, he defines the term of boxing, to hit and not get hit, and uh, not doing it in a uh, Mayweather fashion, but do it in a position where when you're, out of the, at, when you're avoiding their punches, you're in a position to strike at any time. So I think that's going to be a very, very good fight, and I uh, can't wait to see that one. You know, the funny thing about that fight, Sal, is it's a classic youth versus age. You know, we, we look at we look at Lomachenko as a fighter, how great he is, and I agree with, with your uh, analogy of him. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, what can you say? He does it all, you know. Uh, he breaks his fighters yeah. down. He moves well. He's there. He's right in front of you two feet away, and you can't hit the guy, and he's tattooing you. Um, but he's not a young fighter. And no. uh, although he, he hasn't been beat up uh, ever, uh, at least any fight I ever saw, maybe some of the 300 and some odd fights uh, that he had in the amateurs, maybe he, he took some uh, shots in some of those. But uh, he's going to be up against a young fighter. Um, Lopez has taken some shots, but, you know, it's tough to beat youth. You know that. And uh, um, oh, yeah. I, it, it ought to be an interesting fight. I, I know it's... Uh, you know, four months away uh, at least. Um, but I'm looking forward to that fight for 2020. I, I hope it materializes because it's going to be a good one. Oh, it's going to be a very good one. I, I, I'll look forward to that as well. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm a big fan of Lopez. And uh, I love Lomachenko. But, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see a good mix and see how they uh, – try to figure each other out and see who wins that's it that's why they always say the best man win may the best man win and you know uh, getting back to Crawford just for a second you know what I love about this guy and you know he does it a lot uh, and actually he does it in every one of his fights um you know he he breaks down his opponents he's not a kind yeah. of a fighter like you know you watch a um you know, uh, a guy like uh, AJ or Deontay Wilder or uh, when Klitschko was fighting, and I, I'm mentioning heavyweights because most people know uh, all the heavyweights, or even a Lomachenko, um, you know, they seemingly win every round sometimes, you know, most of the time. Yeah. Uh, well, not so much Deontay, but uh, definitely Vladimir and, and Lomachenko, you know, they win every round. And, um, you know, they get judged by it. With Terrence Crawford, he, he doesn't, you know, he, he looks at a fight as what it is. It's a 12-round fight. And he goes in there, and he scientifically breaks down his opponents, similar to Lomachenko. But Lomachenko wins every round that he's breaking his opponents down. Crawford doesn't. He's lost uh, no. several rounds during his career against fighters. And, uh, and you can make an argument that he was down on cards in seven, several of his wins where he comes back and just all of a sudden opens up. 
and his hand speed is de is deceiving. His accuracy is there. His power is, uh, you know, you can't deny it. And the, the best thing that I like about this guy is normally I don't like fighters that switch from orthodox to southpaw and back and forth and back and forth. Right. But, but he seemingly does it seamlessly and is able to, to put the hurt on his opponent from either hand. Um, I think, you know what, I think he, he gets underestimated by the fan base, to be honest with you, Sal. Yeah, you know, I could I could agree with that comment. And, uh, you know, he, he like I said, he did it all last night. He switched back to orthodox, and, and then he was southpaw. And, uh, you know, when he really felt confident, he stayed orthodox. And I think that was the power that really caught up with uh, uh, Cavalier-Ninas, whatever. i got to learn these names. <laughs> uh, that's... Uh... Now all of a sudden I can't say Kavaluskas, Kavaluskas. Uh, Ka I don't know. We need we need Muskionis to tell us how to how to we, pronounce it. Definitely, I'm gonna. But uh, but, but anyway, hey Sal, uh, uh, this is actually our last show until uh, uh, 2020. So I wanted to get your thoughts. You know, I, these last couple of years, boxing is clearly uh, on the upswing in in terms of uh, in terms of fights and matchups and stuff. I still have my 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 issues with the sport in terms of the young fighters and and you know not being tested early enough on. It seems like until they get a belt, then they they evolve into fighters. And and in my opinion, that's not the way it should be because what's happening is the powers that be, promoters and and networks and, and management and stuff like that are devalue, uh, devaluing the titles themselves, you know. Um, but putting that, my opinion aside, how do you see uh, 2020 coming? I mean, there's so many potential uh, good fights. Um, do you think it's going to pick up where we, we're, we're leaving off now? Do you, do you see it continuing to go on the upswing? What's your thoughts? Billy, I think, as I said a couple of years ago, Boxing always had its way of rebooting itself and reestablishing the great sport that it is. And I think we're experiencing that right now. And I think 2020 is going to be a super year of, of big fights. You know, you've got some big fights we're talking about right now. And uh, so I think boxing has definitely established itself as the fight game that it is. And, uh, you know, I think the, the rebooting process has been really established and uh, i'm so happy and i look forward to seeing the year of 2020 and all the great fights we're going to have in store you know why because some of these fighters get it and they know what the fans want and when i see a fighter challenging himself against an equal opponent i'm all for it pal i'm all for it and i think more and more of these fighters are stepping up what's the biggest fight that you would like to see in 2020 Oh boy, that's a loaded question. I definitely want to see the Lomachenko Lopez fight. Um, I'd like to see Deontay Wilder beat, um, uh, let's see, Anthony Jacobs. Joshua. And Joshua. Like <laughs> Anthony Joshua. Hey, I, I was saying. Uh, I, I know. Anthony may, Joshua. Maybe, maybe by the time that fight happens, I'll, I'll be getting another meal out of you. Yeah, you probably will. <laughs> <laughs> you 
You know, uh, come down and collect it, pal. I'm gonna. I said when I was opening up the show, I'm coming down sooner than than I thought. I, I got. I'm gonna start fasting. I'm gonna go down there. I might bring a whole gaggle of people and make them make sit at one table and uh, say, "Oh no, they're all part of my dinner, Sal." You know. Oh, we'll have we'll we'll have a party. I promise you. We'll talk boxing. We can probably run a show from there. Who knows? Yeah, that would be. We're due. We're due. You know, I had a dream yeah. about. It's funny you say that. I had a dream about that last night. I was showing somebody around your restaurant. And uh, they said uh, they were saying, "Oh wow, you know." Uh, I said, "Yeah," and and that's the corner we always do the show from. I said, "We haven't done one in a while." I swear to you, I had this dream. It was last night, and uh, I don't know well, what. I, it, it's weird. It's funny you just said that because it just it just <laughs> jogged my memory. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I I think the Wilder. Uh, Anthony Joshua fight has to happen. Uh, Anthony Joshua himself said uh, that he wants it to happen uh, with Wilder or Tyson Fury in 2020. But but here's going to be the stumbling block. Um, you know, Anthony Joshua, his titles mean a lot to him, and he's got two mandatories right off the bat that he's got to take on. Uh, one being yeah. against uh, 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 Pulev, uh, and then uh, the other one. Uh, is uh, uh, going to go against uh, Alexander uh, Usyk. Usyk is the WBO's mandatory challenger, and Kubat Pulov is the IBF challenger. So theoretically, he's got those two fights to handle, uh, and then he could possibly set up a fight with uh, Wilder or Tyson Fury towards the end of 2020. The sad thing is, is we were talking about a fight with Deontay Wilder and AJ to happen sometime this year, uh, last year. You know what I mean? And and now yeah, it's already off another year. You know, so it's it's unfortunate. Uh, but when these guys, we all want unifications. But what people have a tendency to forget is each of these sanctioning bodies uh, require mandatory defenses. Otherwise, they strip you. So in order to keep these titles. Uh, you have to uh, uh, you have to defend mandatory. So you know, and then the fighters always blame each other. But I hope it happens with either one. I'm with I'm with AJ. I think that uh, yeah. I would like to see Tyson Fury fight him or Wilder. What do you think? I think those are two great fights for AJ. And uh, you know, you know, I'm a Wilder fan. Um, I'd like to see Wilder beat both of them. But you know, that's yet to be established and seen or even made right now so we'll see what happens but aj he he's tough i i i know he is and i saw that last fight with ortiz that he uh really established his presence again reestablished his presence all over again and you know I, I i was glad for him even though i wanted ortiz but ortiz hey guess what he became complacent he gained a lot of weight and uh he paid the price for not doing what he should have done yeah, well, you know, just just to say something, uh, which I know probably gets your goat. They interview uh, Andy Ruiz after the fight, um, and he says to him, he, he says, you know, I, I finally admit too much party and I wasn't training. And I'm saying to myself, what a stupid thing. I mean, it, it, first of all, you know, he shocked the world. He shocked. He shocked the world. He, he shocked. Anthony Joshua, and, and I'm sure he shocked his himself and his own team when he beat yeah. Anthony Joshua the first time. Anyone else, and knowing that he was going to get the, the rematch, knowing that he was contractually tied to the rematch, I would think that this guy 
would have did his damnedest to be in top physical condition. And instead, he pulls a, a Chris Ariola and, and, you know, fills up on tacos and Coronas, you know? I, I mean, um, you know, he, he loved the limelight. But at when, yeah. you know, at what point does somebody from his team grab him and say, what the hell are you doing? Exactly. Billy, you couldn't have said anything more true. And I'll tell you what, you know, in a fight game, the prize has to be the uh, worth the price. And, you know, to win the title in a shocking, amazing way from Anthony Joshua and to show up overweight, fat, and sloppy, you know, that doesn't do you justice and it doesn't do the fight game justice. And he let everybody down that night because he should have been a little more competitive, a little more in shape, and no way should he come in and ring 30 pounds overweight. Well, you know, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, luckily for heavyweights, they they don't have to um, worry about weight. But but here's the thing: he knew damn well what what AJ was going to do in that fight, and they didn't seem to have a plan B. I'm talking about Team Ruiz. Credit to Anthony no. Joshua for for going back to the to the drawing table and you know uh, re- t- taking a, a look at his his the way he fights. And he was disciplined. Now, you know, can he do that to everybody? Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, I'm more disappointed in Andy Ruiz than I am happy for AJ. Because AJ, I thought, should have won the first fight. It was Andy Ruiz's uh, position to really, really solidify his name in the history books. Now it's going to be a, a, a similar thing to, you know, just a, uh, he didn't even have the title for a year. And, and it's going to hurt him. But he's going to eventually get a big money fight, and it's going to be against Wilder because Wilder uh, is going to fight him. And I think that should he go in in good shape, I think he gives Deontay some trouble too, to be honest with you. Well, you know, he's a shorter opponent, of course. And, uh, you know, I was always a shorter opponent than all my my, uh, foes. And I'll tell you, I just love to get in there, work in there, slip faint, do all those things that a lot of these fighters don't do anymore, and man, when you get in that wheelhouse and you could unleash a, a barrage of punches, you know, he, he's got that short stature, and you could do that with that. You could go with the uppercuts, the hooks, the overhand rights, a lot of those things, and, you know, we'll have to see how Deontay Wilder is, is working with his boxing skills, and hopefully uh, it'll be a good fight. Hey, you know what we got to mention, Bill? Because I, I can't believe we have not mentioned, with all the fights coming up for 2020, where do you see Canelo Alvarez going next fight? You know, that's an interesting question. Um, uh, you know, that I, I think that, um, you know, they, they're talking about him possibly going down to super middleweight. And, um, you know, uh, Callum Smith is, is uh, the, the name that he would go after I would hope he's the best super middleweight but to tell you the truth I thought that he looked really good at light heavyweight against Kovalev and I I would love to see him fight Bivol he could fight uh, Dimitri Bivol at super middleweight too because Bivol could make that weight easily I'd like I'd honestly Canelo Alvarez against Dimitri Bivol is the fight that I want to see I want to see Canelo fight that guy. But I'm not going to – listen, 
You know, I've been critical of Canelo. So have you. Uh, the whole tainted meat thing, uh, really, you know, we lost a couple of steps with him. But since then, um, he has stepped up. He, he, Although his opponents are calculated, he has uh, beaten some big names uh, in exciting fights. I give him credit with the Daniel Jacobs fight who now Daniel Jacobs is moving up uh, to the super middleweight division. So who knows? Maybe we get to see a rematch with them. But the fight I'd like to see Canelo in is against Bivol. Yes, yes. And uh, that would be a great fight. And like I said, you and I, we have watched for years Canelo Alvarez grow into the beast and the monster he has evolved to. And uh, he's a, an exciting fighter. He's very much methodical and calculating when he's going after his opponent and he breaks him down and I, I, I love him. I love him now and uh, I think he's great and I think uh, that uh, you know the promoter and uh, and his whole camp are going to be very uh, calculating on choosing his next opponent as well. It's going to be a good fight whoever he faces and uh, hopefully he'll, he'll uh Prove to be the fighter and the champion that he truly is. Um, who was the fighter that I liked? Um, I can't think of him right now. I got to look back at some of my records there. But he 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 was a David. Uh, no. Lemieux. Lemieux. David Lemieux. Yeah, he uh, he French fighter. Yes, I liked him. I liked him a lot and. I haven't heard much of anything from him or about him now. I don't, I don't know what his next move is. I know he's got some really a uh, couple bad losses, but he's still a puncher. He's still a fighter, and, and uh, I'd like to see if he's going to give it a run for 2020. He fought recently in uh, a knockdown-filled fight, um, and uh, he's trying to make a comeback. The, prob the problem with him is that he he's not disciplined enough. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's got he, he's a one dimensional fighter. He's a one dimensional fighter. He's, he's a seek and destroy fighter. And if he maintained his discipline and stayed, at, you know, at the lower weight, um, he he could make that work. But, you know, the middleweight division and, and above is pretty chock full of talent right now. It boils down to what I say all the time. These young fighters on the way up and David Lemieux is no different. You know, uh, I you know, I, I knew his first trainer. Uh, and they were very careful with him. And then he started believing his own press clippings uh, and, and left. And, uh, you know, the, the end is the rest is history. I, I don't I don't know if he gets another major shot, but he, he's going to he's going to have to climb that ladder again. Sal, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep, that's for sure. And uh, he could prove it to all of us or he could just uh, get some decent money fights. And uh, that would be it on his last call. But we'll see. But, yeah. 2020, here we come, and uh, I'll tell you, Bill, I'm excited. There's some big fights that we're going to have to see. There's no doubt. Sal, I appreciate your time. I want to wish you and yours uh, a, a very uh, Merry Christmas and a, and a happy and prosperous New Year, and start uh, ordering the food because I'm going to come down and collect, uh, and uh, we are going to uh, have a uh, – and, and we should talk with John, see if we can get uh, some kind of uh, – uh, a little show uh, at the same time. We'll kill like three or four birds at one stunt, one 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 yeah, shot. Yeah, I think I think that is ideal, one hundred percent. And then we also got to talk about 
uh, next year's uh, Hall of Fame up in Canastota. So I think uh, a meeting, you coming down, and uh, I could probably put you up in one of these hotels here, and uh, we'll uh, we'll take it from there, pal. Hey, I tell you, I, I'm 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 afraid to go to the Hall of Fame this year. I, you know, last time I sat with Bernard Hopkins, he was slapping me around. I I, I you know I, I don't want to see him again. He, he might he might want to make a comeback against me. I don't know, man. You know, he was uh, he was pretty I'll, rough I'll in Vegas. <laughs> You'll get but, uh, that's right. I'll have you there to protect me. All right, that's good stuff. So <laughs> put a collar around me. I'll be your pit bull. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Sal, I'll see you soon, my man. All right, my friend. Thank you. God bless, and have a great Christmas and New Year holiday, buddy. Thank you, man. I'll talk soon. Bye-bye. That's my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. Uh, yeah, I'm collecting, man. I'm collecting. I'm going to uh, go down there and uh, uh, get my, my dinner, and uh, maybe we'll do uh, we'll do a little event or something. I don't know. We'll, uh, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, in any event, hey, you know, it's the holidays, and... Uh, um, we uh we're going commercial free we're going commercial free today uh so uh, uh i'm gonna uh get my man uh, dax on the line here in a second and uh you know I, I getting back to to terrence crawford real quick um and and i'll talk more with uh dax here in a sec um but uh you know the truth of the matter is is that I, you know i was looking at the welterweight division and you know i you know, who who would we want to see Crawford fight? I mean, of course, Errol Spence Jr. is the fight that we want. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, would a Manny Pacquiao fight make sense? Would a Danny Garcia fight make sense? You know, um, you know, those are the names that we want to see. Uh, is he going to get stuck doing another, uh, uh, you know, uh, mandatory? Who knows? Joining us right now uh, is my man, uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Morning, Billy C. What'd you think of the fight, my man? I thought it was a good fight. I thought um, Terrence Crawford did a great job. Um, you know, people were laughing at this fight, Bill, when it was signed. Um, they were criticizing the choice of opponent, even though he wasn't mandatory. Crawford really didn't have a choice in the matter. Um, you know, but uh, Kaviukas, if people really watch the sport as much as they claim they do, They'd understand that this guy's been around. Not only is he an Olympian, but, you know, he's been on undercards of major fights like Bradley Mandy Pacquiao in 2016. Um, he was on uh, some Maurice Hooker undercards. He was on uh, some um, Ray Beltran undercards. So the guy's not unknown. It's just fans don't pay attention. You know, Crawford had some adversity in the third round. You know, he always does take that round or two off to warm up. But after a... Uh, uh, Kavakoukis landed those hard shots and put Crawford down. We've seen what happens quite often with Crawford. He punishes his opponents almost as if, you know, you're how dare you come in here and think that you're on my level and you're going to compete with me on my night in my ring. You know, Crawford is the best setup finisher in boxing today, in my opinion. While Deontay Wilder, of course, is the best one-punch finisher, Crawford systematically destroys his opponents. He never lets them off the hook. And when he sees that they're hurt, he ends the fight. Uh, all this criticism, Bill, Crawford's 14-0 and in world title fights now, 5-0 and in three in lineal fights, 7-0 and against former or current world titleists, and, you know, Julius Ndongo 
maybe a little unknown, but he was also an Olympian on top of a champion. Ricky Burns, a three-division champion. Eurekis Gamboa, a two-time world champion and gold medalist. Victor Postal was undefeated. Jeff Horn was an Olympian. Amir Khan's a silver medalist and a former unified champion. You know, what more can this guy do? What are people complaining about? I, you know, I, you, you're 100% correct. And I, and I was pointing out, you know, and, and when he first came out, uh, when he first hit the, the, the mainstream, so to speak, against Prescott, that was supposed to be a, hey, let's get Prescott a win against this undefeated kid out of Nebraska. How good can he be? And, and they, they stayed with Crawford as the B-side, I think, all the way up until the Gamboa fight. So um, then they realized, hey, wait, whoa, hold on there, Baba Louie. Maybe we got a, a quality fighter here and the rest is history. But you're right about Kavaluskas because, you know, uh, this is a guy – that and, and I was saying this earlier, this is a guy that fought when with with the knowledgeable fan, if they would look at the names of the guys that Kavaluskas fought, they would see that he fought these tough opponents that a lot of the young fighters on the way up do not fight. They're the ones that they avoid and they hand them these cream puffs. And Kavaluskas was a was a mandatory, just like you said. And uh, I, I just think that the fact that the, the casual fan didn't know him, that they started being very critical of Terrence for fighting him. And I think he did show last night that he was a formidable foe. The problem is, is Crawford is that much better. Absolutely. I mean, um, you hit it right on the head about the knowledgeable fan. Um, leading into that, my reason for uh, reiterating that is Errol Spence Jr., who's a great fighter, gets all this praise and credit for going over to the UK and beating Kell Brook. But you know what? Terrence Crawford did the same years before Errol Spence did, and he did it, as you stated again, as the B-side, expecting to lose, supposed to be an opponent for Ricky Burns. You know, so what... What? I, I just... I don't understand it. It's not even something that um, you can sit there and really debate back and forth because you're not going to get it through some of these fans' minds, Bill, no matter what you do. I know, and it's it's unfortunate uh, that it's that that's the case. Uh, another fight I wanted to get your thoughts on real quick. Well, before I do that, I don't want to jump away from Terrence real quick. I agree with what you said. Um, Terrence Crawford, similar to Lomachenko, breaks down his opponents. But the difference, like I was saying to Sal earlier, the difference with Lomachenko is he, he breaks down his opponents, but he still wins the round. I think that Terrence Crawford breaks his opponents down, and doesn't really care if he wins the, the round or not because he knows what's coming. And we saw that last night uh, with Kavaluskas because he clearly didn't win a couple of those early rounds. Uh, but when he put, when he shifts it into that second and third gear, he's a tough out. He, he's accurate. He's powerful. And you, you, you missed one point when you were, when you were giving the accolades to, to uh, Crawford. He enjoys beating the hell out of his opponents. He he. Remember, you and I have talked many times. He has a legitimate mean streak, and I got to tell you, I think that's the one thing when you when you put all his talent. We all know he's got the talent. He displays it every time out. But if you put that aside, I think that danger, most dangerous attribute that he has, is the mean streak. And when he flips that switch. He's a hard out. I, I, he just, he enjoys, it looks like he enjoys it too much, like Sonny Liston used to, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, good analogy right there. Um, you know, yeah, Crawford, you do kind of see that 
change in demeanor while he's inside the ring, you know, all, you know, in his face, in his eyes, and just the way he goes after his opponent, uh, especially when the um, the fight starts getting heated, you know, um, kind of reminds me of Carl Frotch after the uh, the Jermaine Taylor fight. People were all over Carl Frotch stating, you know, while well, he was losing the early rounds, he's really not that good. And I remember being in the press conference and Carl Frotch stating, it's a 12-round fight for a reason. You know, there's no need to rush. You go in there, you set it up, and you do what you got to do. And, you know, that's what Crawford does when he goes in there. He breaks his guys down. He sets them up for that knockout, and he doesn't rush. That's the difference between a good fighter and a great fighter because they go in there and, you know, they go to work. It's not, you know, it's not about that immediate knock. It's go to work because they're doing it against strong guys. Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz is a perfect example. If you don't sit there and you don't go to work and you do not break your opponent down and you're not careful inside there, what ends up happening? You end up losing out of just pure uh, recklessness or just, you know, uh, being lazy or, or, or rushing in there. You know, that's what separates good fighters from the great fighters. You know, uh, what do you think? I, I agree with you. And another thing about Crawford that I admire we see a lot of fighters that switch from orthodox to, to southpaw, but I, I can't recall a fighter that can do it so seamlessly like, like Terrence can and, and you know have success and power and knockout ability, not just, not just hurt power, but knockout ability from either hand the way he does. Yeah, and he does it like effort, effortlessly. Yeah, you don't even realize until about 10, 15 seconds later that he switched up because he does it so easily. Easily, he transitions like that. Well, I think so, he, I think he baits his opponents. Like last night, Kavaluska seemed to have, uh, you know, ha with one side. I believe it was when he was fighting uh, Southpaw. He seemed to be ready for that and was doing better. And and all of a sudden, Crawford realized that and switched. And next thing you know, the fight's over. Yeah, and we've seen the same thing with um when he fought uh, Hank Lundy. We've seen the same thing when he fought uh fought uh, Victor Postal. We've seen the same thing when he fought Felix Diaz. As soon as he made that switch, all of a sudden he's just you know leveled ahead of these guys. Yeah, no, it's he's fun to watch. He's he's an exciting fighter. I do. Uh, I said in the beginning of the show. I do, however, don't believe that he you know was doing it purposely to give the fight fans uh you know some entertainment. I I. I I don't want to believe it because that's a dangerous mindset. I, I hope that, you know, uh, fighters go into that ring ready to take care of business. If they need to break a fighter down for a couple of rounds, that's one thing. But if they feel that, you know, they can win at any time and they're dragging their feet because they want to entertain, uh, that's a mistake because all it takes is one shot from anybody. Um, but uh, my, my I, next... I, I, I agree. You know who... Um... Real quick, who uh, Kevin Cook kind of reminds me of is uh, Sergei Derevichenko, you know, with his style and um, his toughness and the fact you don't really don't know a lot about him, but when you see him in action, all of a sudden it's like, okay, this guy really is uh, might be as good as his resume is. You know, Derevichenko is a is is a tough son of a gun. I mean, there's no question about that, and uh, he's a guy I'd like to see more, and I'd like to see Mean Machine uh, Kavaluskas uh, again as well, but. Uh, uh, oh, and, and another fight on that card, Teofimo Lopez uh, destroyed Richard Comney uh, to pick up his title. He looked great. He's young. He's powerful. Uh, he's got hand speed. He's got movement. And now he's earned a shot to fight Vasily Lomachenko. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I was saying to Sal earlier, you know, people don't look at Lomachenko as an aging fighter, but the facts are the facts. He is an aging fighter. Um, is the youth of Teofimo Lopez going to be enough 
to uh, upset Lomachenko, or is, uh, is Lomachenko going to make Lopez look like an ordinary fighter? You know, Lopez has that one-punch equalizer in the terms where even if he was looking like an ordinary fighter, all he needs to do is land that one punch. But um, with, with that being said, the difference with Lomachenko and other fighters is that that mental mindset, you know, he's uh, not only is he a machine in the way he performs, but, you know, inside he's always thinking. He's a thinking fighter. Uh, you know, it's chess. It's not checkers. So for at this stage, for uh, Lopez to be able to beat Lomachenko would have to be by knockout. But, you know, he's not – Lomachenko, he's 31 years old. So, you know, um, today that's kind of young in boxing, even uh, in these lower weight classes. But um, I wouldn't rush that fight. I think they're rushing it a little bit too much. We have right now in the sport, Bill, if you go from top to bottom, we have a lot of young fighters. It's almost um, almost becoming like a throwback sort of where, you know, these best fighters are, you know, between the ages 20 and 25. So what about, you know, two guys in that division who are really, really good and who are going to be superstars facing off against each other and then the winner fighting Lomachenko? And I'm talking about Teofimo Lopez against WBC champion Devin Haney. In my opinion, that's a must-see fight. Well, listen, I, I'm with you, and, and that's that's my argument when I was uh, giving kudos to Kavaluskas because he fought those tough fights. The only difference today, and I think that in the last two years, we've had some really good fights, and, and 2020 is shaping up to, to continue the trend. Uh, the only thing that I would like to change, I'd like to change two things. One, I'd like to change the fact of overprotecting uh, young fighters and set up the young fighters against each other prior to championships. Unfortunately, today, what happens is a young fighter will get coddled and then they hand him a belt and then he starts fighting real fights. And, and you know, there, there's always titleists. And, and I think that the reason they do that is networks and management and promotion feel that they can't uh, sell a fight unless there's a title. I think boxing would become more solid and and if if the younger fighters fought each other because the fan base would grow you wouldn't have just a a fly by night fan you know and that, and that's seemingly what what we end up with uh today the other thing is that you know we've seen it matchroom golden boy top rank they they cross the lines they fight each other they they fight on each other's networks they they do combined broadcast etc cetera, etc cetera. the only one that's not playing nice is pbc and they're the ones that are ruining it so to speak they have their own fighters their own champions they like to stay in their own little world and i think the division is going to eventually hurt them i i personally i think that uh, collectively they don't have any talent there's a couple of talented fighters um there that they have obviously wilder is is uh you know by many people's uh uh, rankings. He's the best heavyweight out there. I, I disagree because I look at talent. Um, but uh, but like the Charlo brothers, they're, they're nothing, you know. Um, I, I just wish that they would all, there's enough money to be made. What's your thoughts on both of those uh, issues? There is enough money to be made, but, um, you know, the problem here is money more or less and the niche for lack of a better word, you know, it, uh, fans more or less have fallen into that niche kind of category where they only follow a certain few, ma uh, few guys. 
ex- uh, prime example is what I was stating before, how nobody really knew who Terrence Crawford's opponent was last night. Why? Because you're not watching the whole sport. Same thing for um, these lower weight. People aren't watching the whole sport, and the PBC is capitalizing on that. So uh, hopefully uh, we don't have that problem. And as for titles, of course, there's way too many titles. Can you name who the WBA regular welterweight title is? Title holders are. You see how many cha- You look at the WBA. They got Manny Pacquiao, Alexander Besputin, Virgil Ortiz, all listed as title holders. That, I mean, they're the only sanctioning body that uh, if they just don't feel uh, normal unless they have five or six world title holders in each division. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And their minor titles and their regional titles and... Um um, for different parts of the world, you can say, okay, you can understand that in a way, but then when they start making those same titles as interim, you know, it just, it really is. It's just hurting the sport, but you know, you're absolutely right where it does seem today that unless there's a title on the line, fans aren't interested. Bob Aaron made a, um, a point the other day when he stated the problem today is you can't sell tickets to live events. Well, you know, this is, this is true. And that's because of the comfort level you can have, uh, watching it at your own house. I mean, you know, what what what, what has evolved in the last 12 months? Um, you know, exactly what we predicted on this show four years ago. I mean, it's pretty 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 eerie if you think about it. But um, right. <laughs> you know, with all the uh, you know streaming services and and how where you can watch. I mean, it's just it's unlimited. But you know, I want to ask you something. You you bring up there was a great segue about the the titles. We're talking about heavyweights. Everybody wants to see uh, AJ against Wilder, of course, but Wilder's going to be fighting Fury, and AJ's got two mandatories against Pulev uh, and uh, and Usyk, uh, respectively. Um, but but all of a sudden, here comes Dillian White. He didn't look all that super great in his last fight. He looked overweight, uh, looked a lot overweight, but he hasn't really had a chance to, to train. They lifted the uh, uh, the suspension off of him, and now he's the interim champ again. But he's all ticked off because the WBC is going to make Deontay Wilder their franchise champion, which I, I, I don't understand why a franchise champion gets to boast that they're a title holder, but yet they're not subject to mandatory challengers. Can you explain that to me? I wish I could. <laughs> I wish somebody could explain it to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the point of being a franchise champion then if you're not going to um, have any mandatories or you're uh, not obligated to defend that title? It's a joke. And Dillian White is 100% correct um, at being upset over this. And, you know, it doesn't help Deontay because a lot of people that are in the know feel that Deontay Wilder has avoided quality opposition for his whole career. Um, you know, the best opponent he fought was Tyson Fury. And, uh, you know, granted, I, I don't know if there's anybody aside from the Wilder family that believes that it should have been a draw. I mean, everybody, even people that hardly watch boxing, that watched that fight, thought that uh, Tyson Fury won the fight despite being knocked down twice. You know, you get knocked down twice in a fight, generally you're losing. How much of a dominance did Tyson Fury do in order to win the fight on 99% of the people's scorecards uh, after being knocked down twice. And, uh, you know, now we're, we're going to see a rematch that chances are I think Wilder is going to go in for the kill uh, a little quicker because the, the one knock I have on Tyson Fury is for a guy his size, he doesn't really possess the power that he should. 
this is true. Um, Deontay Wilder's resume is not that harsh. Um, maybe not the names that we would like to see on there, but let's be honest. His resume is not, you know, this horrible. And I don't think he ducks anybody. Deontay Wilder just fights whoever they put in front of him. If that's a valid excuse for everybody else, it's a valid excuse for Deontay Wilder. So it would be unfair to criticize him in that way. Um, as for the Tyson Fury fight, you know, the old rule is, Bill, when you're facing the champion, always expect to go in there two or three rounds down on the cards, especially when you're on the champion's um, home, home turf. You know, they did... Um, fight here in the states so i mean just it's it, it was wrong should it have been a um a win for um tyson fury yes but it happened in boxing it wasn't the worst decision i've ever seen and we'll see what happens in the rematch yeah well what do you think that fury uh, you know if if wilder tries to fight the same fight we're going to end up with the same result fury's gonna gonna handle it I think Wilder, in Wilder's defense, here's his chance. In the second fight against Tyson Fury, if Wilder, you know, I hear all the time, oh, no, he's got a great jab. Oh, no, he just doesn't need it. Oh, oh yeah, 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 okay. You know, um, if he does have a jab and he does, you know, have the ability to move around the ring a little bit, just a little bit, and he does that against Fury, he might have a, a better chance. But if Deontay Wilder attacks Fury, like I think he will, I think he's going to go in for the kill. He feels he dropped him twice in the last fight, almost killed him, the one knockdown. Um, I think he's going to go in for the kill. And I, I just believe that, that Tyson Fury will be able to counter him, but he just doesn't have that pop to knock him on his ass. I'm, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but that's the way I see it. I, I just think that Wilder has an opportunity to show that he can change his game. AJ did. AJ changed his game a bit. He, he ripped the page out of, out of uh, the Klitschko uh, you know, playbook. And, and I think that he respects Vladimir Klitschko a lot. And I, I think that Klitschko was basically saying to him, AJ, listen, if you fight smart, you could be at the top of the game for a long time, just like he was. You know, and I think AJ bought into it, Dax. And, and and Deontay has to do something similar. He has to change a little bit. Yeah, he's got the most powerful punch in the heavyweight division, it seems. Um, but he's got to change something. Eventually, somebody's going to, uh, you know, get the right script, and then it's going to be over for Wilder. Deontay Wilder is capable of... Um boxing that way. Speak of Klitschko, I know that there was a time Deontay Wilder and Klitschko spent together, and Klitschko was trying to teach Wilder how to perfect his jab, and Klitschko has one of the best jabs in the history of the sport. So, Deontay Wilder's problem is he just gets a little overzealous. He, um, when he does that, that's when we see him swing wild. If he just works behind his jab, and which he is capable of, Deontay Wilder could literally just control that division very much like Klitschko and just knock everybody out with a one-two and he doesn't really need to do much else more. But, you know, again, that's up to Deontay Wilder whether or not he can stay composed like that. But, uh, you know, we'll see in this rematch and we'll see what uh, 2020 brings. Um, you know, so this is our last show of uh, 2019, is it not? This is correct. We'll be back after the first of the year. My, my question, you, you, you know, you're, you're hitting all the segue buttons perfectly. What fights do you want to see in, in 2020, Dax? I mean, what, which, which matchups do you think, in your opinion, are, are, are key that we must see in 2020? 
that we might well Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury is one that's already uh, written and signed rather uh, we need to see um, Terrence Crawford against Errol Spence Jr. if he should happen to return uh, hopefully he does or against uh, Sean Porter I believe that uh, we need to see uh, Neo Anui against uh, Louis Neary. Both are undefeated. Uh, Louis Neary is a KO artist. They're in the same division. Anui um, is a pound-for-pound fighter. Um, Dimitri Bivol against uh, Canelo. That would that would be a personal wish for mine in 2020. I don't care if it happens to super middleweight or light heavyweight. Um, you know, after that, we'll just see what happens. Um, you know, pretty much the light heavyweight division, more or less, has been cleaned up by Arthur Bidabiev. Uh, You know, he is the lineal champion. He holds two of the three belts. Uh, the cruiserweight division is rebuilding. Um, the middleweight division is kind of thinned out. Uh, the super middleweight division is so-so. But, uh, you know, those fights right there are the only thing I could think of on the top of my head. But, uh, you know, um, for 2020, I asked you, Bill, who do you have as a fighter of the year for 2020? I mean, 2019. You know, I got to be honest. Uh, I haven't even given that any thought, you know. I, you know, Inoue is 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 a fighter that uh, I loved his fight uh, for the for the World Boxing Super Series against Nonito Donaire, and you know he's he's a guy that's probably flying under the radar. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, there was a lot of good fights. It's it's hard, you know. I mean, um, it, it's hard to to put your finger on it. I, I don't want to. You know, I hate when these guys win fighter of the year because they fought three times, you know, and you're not looking at the opposition. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. Why? Who who do you like? Well, uh, Anui, you know, is, um, in my opinion, you know, uh, winning that World Boxing Super Series, you know, defeating uh, four established champions, not belt holders, but uh, Jamie McDonald was unified, Emmanuel Rodriguez, uh, Juan Carlos Payano was a former champion, Nonito Donaire, four-division champion, first battle Hall of Famer. The stats on those guys, 108-8 and eight with 60 knockouts, you know, which is just amazing that, you know, he did that. And then, you know, of course, we have Canelo, who um, inside of 12 months, he beat Rocky Fielding at the end of uh, 2015, uh, 2018. Then he beat Danny Jacobs. Then he uh, moves up to weight class. He beats uh, Sergey Kovalev. And um, if we were going by um, activity, the guy that really flies under the radar for me is uh, Emmanuel uh, Navarati. You know, uh, this is a guy, he beats uh, Dogbo. Um, he comes back. He uh, beats Dogbo in the rematch. Then he fights three more times. Uh, five title fights inside of 12 months, and he wins them all dominantly. So it, it's a hard choice this year. I think you're right. I think that uh, Canelo, uh, you, you kind of got to lean towards Canelo because, I, you know, as much as all those other fighters, you know, were in great fights, you know, when I look at fighter of the year, I look at guys that, you know, not only had great performances, uh, fought, you know, frequently, but also what did they bring to the sport? Canelo, clean, you know, in my opinion, hands down, has uh, has brought a lot to the sport. He sells out the arenas. Um, there's no question about that. Rocky Fielding, like you mentioned, you know, maybe he wasn't, uh, you know, a killer, but he still was uh, a super middleweight that, that uh, Canelo moved up to fight. Uh, the Daniel Jacobs fight, you know, we were there for that fight. Um, you know, that was a tough fight. Daniel Jacobs is a tough fighter. He's a, he's a great fighter, you know, and, and um, you know, he wins that one. And then the Kovalev fight, you know, people, ah, people say, ah, Kovalev, he's washed up. He's not washed up. Um, he had a great performance in his fight prior to, uh, Canelo and Can Canelo looked vicious as light heavyweight. You know, uh, Sal and I were just talking about that. 
I'd like to see Canelo fight Bivol. I, I like the Bivol fight against Canelo. And they're talking about Callum Smith too, possibly. You know, so um, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I guess I guess I'd have to lean towards Canelo if if I had to pick somebody right this second. And then again, even though he lost against Andy Ruiz, I I gotta give my man AJ credit too for rebounding. I mean, you got to I don't know, Canelo. I guess is is my number one guy. And and what about? Without question, in my opinion, prospect of the year has to be Virgil Ortiz Jr. Looking good. That kid's looking really good. Um, you know, and that's the funny thing. You look at a guy like um, uh, Tiafimo Lopez at 15-0 and 0, who just picked up a title. And in the olden days, he would be still considered like a young prospect. Uh, and, and, you know, that's what's missing in the sport today, to get excited about a guy who's 15-0 and 0, and then start seeing him climb the ranks because the talent pool is so full. They have everything so diluted right now um, that, you know, you get a guy like Lopez. No, no disrespect to Lopez. I happen to love the kid. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a world champion at 15-0. and 0. You know, he's, he's not a Lomachenko who fought 350 amateur fights. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, you know, but um, today that just seems to be the model where guys are coming out and trying to win world titles as fast as they can. Um, I don't know if it's more of a uh, um, an ego type competition to see who can win the titles the quickest um, and set themselves down in history. But uh, definitely, um, it, you know, it's, it's definitely interesting. Or maybe on the other hand, Bill, um, the plan for a lot of these guys is come in, win the title, get as many wins, make as much money as you can, and get out of the sport early, which is nice, and that's what it used to be. You know, you used to get out of the sport early. Remember, at one point in time, 30 years old was an old man. Nowadays, guys are just coming into their own. Um, no. Coach Russian, yeah, Coach says, uh, what about Daniel Dubois? Uh, coach, Daniel Dubois is being handled perfectly, in my opinion. They're not rushing him, and they're building him up to be uh, the full package before he steps in there against any of these top names, and that's going to save him from getting um, end up with a loss and being uh, called overhyped. Yeah, but a guy like Daniel Dubois should be fighting uh, other fighters that are climbing the ladder like him. That's the difference between yesteryear and today. Um, and it only makes fighters better. Yes, it's risky because they could lose. Um, but isn't that what boxing? I mean, that shouldn't end a career if a fighter loses early on. It, it makes them better. That's all. You know, he's going to end up getting a shot. Like like Cuba Pulov, for example. Pulov has paid his dues. He's fought a lot of guys. He, he's at the best that he's ever going to be right now. Can you say that about Daniel Dubois? You know, um, that's the question. And when they get their world title shot, I believe that a fighter should be the best that they can be at that point. And then see what happens as a champion. Because you know as well as anyone, Dax, that once you, get, once you become a champion, it kind of kicks up your game a notch. Well, it, sometimes, you know, we're, um, depending on who your promoter is, you just fight the same old recycled guys again and again. This is true. Or you go and you have too many tacos and Coronas. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, Dax, any final thoughts uh, heading into 2020? I mean, just, you know, it's been a great 2019. Um, just hopefully this momentum carries over through all of 2020. It's starting out already great in January with the fights that are already signed. And um, I think we have a pretty good pound-for-pound pound list that, you know, uh, exiting 2019. I, I tell you the truth, I could flip-flop that my top three could all be tied for one, and I wouldn't argue 
with anybody if they position him anywhere else. You know, Lomachenko, uh, you know, uh, Crawford and, and Canelo. I mean, they could be any order of the top three, and, and I'm happy. So, uh, Dax, I wish you and your family a uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, I'll be looking forward to 2020, brother. All right, same to you and yours, Bill, and uh, to everybody else out there. All right, Dax, have a good one, brother. You too. That's Dax Khan. You can check out his column uh, up on BillyCBoxing.com. Him and Johnston Brown and everybody else, uh, very active up there. If you don't have uh, Billy C. Boxing set as your homepage, you're dead to me. No. (laughs) It's uh, interesting stuff up there, so uh, make sure you uh, uh, try to to get with it. You know what I mean? Uh, But in any event... Um, like I said, uh, we are going commercial free today. Uh, so hopefully, uh, um, you guys are appreciating it. I I know the radio stations might not be appreciating it, uh, as much because, uh, uh, they need, uh, uh, those breaks, but I'm sure they'll fill in, uh, their own commercials. So, uh, to all the, uh, radio affiliates we're with, we're glad to be part uh, of your uh, sports programming and uh, apologize for today but it is uh, the end of the year and you know we're 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 crazy like that speaking of crazies joining me right now uh, is my man uh, Alex Papali good morning Alex good morning Billy C how are you god you're awake today I uh, I'm up, baby. yeah <laughs> Crawford I slept I slept my second night with a uh, weighted blanket and uh, I feel as snug as a bug under the rug. You know, I, I sleep with a weighted blanket, too. It's it's a 140-pound Rottweiler. He lays right on top of me. Um, what uh, what was your thoughts of Crawford's win over uh, Mean Machine Kavaluskas last night? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, think, um, I think people have made these comparisons before, but I think last night was a perfect example. Um, if there's one fighter today who is reminiscent of marvelous Marvin Hagler every time he goes out into that ring. It's Terrence Crawford. And, wow. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. You know, I've never heard that that comparison. Really? I never have. Um, I never thought of it that way. Uh, uh, you see, I think, you know, Terrence Crawford has a mean streak like like uh, Hagler did. And, and he's I, a, we he, saw it last night. Yeah, no, we see it every fight. Uh, he's yeah, he finishes. I, he last fin- night was like his uh, Juan Roldan, well, because he had, had that uh, questionable knockout. I mean, knockdown, which um, you know, in this case, uh, unlike the Juan, the Hagler knockdown against Juan Roldan, that was more of a brush down. This one was legitimate. I mean, the replay showed it. And uh, but what did Terence Crawford do? He just sort of buckled down and was like, okay, you're going to hurt me? Well, don't worry. I'm going to hurt you. Well, and, uh, and he put the screws to him, and yeah, it was si- impressive. Similar to Hagler, he, he's not afraid to exchange. Exactly. Uh, you know, he goes in there. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that's being lost in boxing today. Uh, the safety first, uh, it makes me ill uh, at times because they're not exciting. Um, but Crawford... Uh, uh, you know, I think as a overall boxer, I, and I know, <laughs> I know this might affect you and and change you forever, but uh, I think that Crawford was is more talented than than Hagler as a boxer. I'm not, not an overall no, I, great. Right. No, I mean overall greatness. 
Skills. You know, I, you know, Hagler's is up there. And I was reading uh, some of the Ibro's uh, uh, all-time great list. I was shocked at, at uh, how some of these fighters uh, have climbed the, the ranks here. Some of these, uh, especially uh, Mayweather. I can't believe he's even in the mix. But uh, um, I, I, Crawford, I, you know, you're right. I mean, Crawford, uh, the mean streak, similar to Hagler. Uh, Hagler, never, Hagler never really smiled and goofed around, though. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing is he's ambidextrous. He can switch back and forth with ease. Um, and then and everybody seems to have an opinion as to what style he is more effective for him. Um, but he goes ahead and does his own thing anyway. Uh, the only thing that's very, very different is that he has a whole uh, network that has completely bought into him and is promoting him. Marvelous Marvin Hagler really didn't. He sort of toiled in obscurity for a long time. Uh, until he finally got recognition. But, of course, our media is very different today. Um, so I think that's one of the things. But, yeah, I mean, I thought Crawford looked really good last night. Um, he's just fun to watch. Um, uh, Kavalaskas, uh, I thought, brought more to the table than expected. Um, he, uh, you know, he definitely hits pretty hard. And he's, you know, he came in in shape, unlike Andy Ruiz last week. Um, so, you know, I think that's the big thing about this sport is that it's one thing to get the opportunity, but uh, you have to make yourself prepared and ready for the opportunity. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to grab it if it's there. And um, Kabalaskis at least was ready for it, but um, he had way too much of a mountain to climb in front of him. You hit it on the head. Terrence Crawford is fun to watch. He's fun. Um, he breaks his opponents down. He goes in there. He's not afraid to exchange. Um, and many fighters that I've talked to uh, that are, you know, former world champions, etc., they say today, in, in, in like any era, and even, you know, even today, I should say, it's easy to get a title today. It's easier today to get a title than ever before. Keeping it is another story. And, right. and the reason is what I am crying about all, all morning today. You know, the fact that people get these title shots so early on without being tested explains why they're so hard to keep. And, and you make a great point about Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz had found himself in a position to become really regarded as one of the best heavyweight champions ever and regarded as one of the most lovable champions ever if he beat AJ the second time, I mean, there would have been no question of what people would have thought of Andy Ruiz, and he let that opportunity slip through his hands. Well, he couldn't let any, he couldn't let the taco slip through his hands. But the truth of the matter is, is that for him to even admit, yeah, I give him credit for admitting, yeah, I partied too much, yeah, I, I, I you know, didn't start training in time. When does the corner grab the guy and slap him and say, "What the hell are you doing"? You're going to mess this opportunity up. Well, you know, you and I talk about that. I mean, you know, it's always we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And all of a sudden they lose. He didn't train right. He didn't. He ate too many tacos. You know, where's the we? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I, and I think that was one of the things that was kind of sad in uh, some of the post-fight interviews with Ruiz was at one point I did. I can't remember if it was on zone or if it was later uh, on some other media where I heard one little clip of him where he did mention that during the camp, 
his father had kept saying to him, you know, the fight's getting closer. You got to do something. We got to start working. And he didn't listen. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That was what was really unfortunate about last week. Yeah, but is- Alex, how many times have that has that happened in the past? Oh, I'm, exactly. You exactly. know, and that's the thing about it that's sort of um, really sad is that it shows you that um, all the the thinking we had of what that fight showed in June was, oh my God, can um, can uh, Joshua ever recover from this? Well, the other question we should have asked: Can Ruiz ever recover from this? Because this is going to be such a, a, a like winning the lottery type celebration. He's going to need to uh, rein it in and get some discipline back in his life, and he certainly didn't do that. And he he went the route exactly of Buster Douglas. In in fact, if anything, you could argue that Buster Douglas um, at least went out on his shield. Andy Ruiz went out on the buffet table, and that is really unfortunate because. And the other thing that was just so pathetic about it was. That as soon as it was over, it was like, yeah, I didn't train. Can you give me another shot? No, this was it. <laughs> yeah, but the, 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 yes, he didn't train. Yes, he didn't capitalize. Uh, he, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't do what he should have done. He didn't take advantage of his opportunity. I mean, that's clearly, uh, you know, the case. He, he went out and spent money like a drunken sailor. You know, he, he, you know, he figured, uh, you know, that life's, life is great now. Um, but the other side of the coin, was that AJ did learn a valuable lesson by losing the fight. You know, everybody is pointing, they have a tendency to point to Ruiz's downfall, which is true. But on the other hand, you know, AJ contributed to it. If AJ fought the same way that he fought in the first fight, Andy Ruiz would have won again. Um, right. You know, and, and you know, he probably, this fight probably made Andy Ruiz a better fighter just like the first fight made Anthony Joshua a better fighter. That's my point about sometimes when a loss is good. Um, you know, when you when you learn from your loss and you come back better, it's a positive. It's when you just say, ah, screw it. I, I lost. I have my loss now. I'm going for the money, you know, and, and just fight fights and go through the motions. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Andy Ruiz does at this point. Should he continue? I think there's a, a matchup in the future between him and Deontay Wilder. I think that's a foregone conclusion. Uh, and I happen to think that uh, he's going to give Wilder trouble because he likes to fight right in your face. He likes to throw a lot of punches, and he does have power. He's, he doesn't have the power they built him up to be. They they. They built him up to be like a, a Rocky Marciano one-shot knockout uh, because he beat AJ, who's got a suspect chin. Well, and the other thing that Ruiz has that I think will be interesting if he ever does fight Wilder is he's got a hell of a chin. Um, but the thing about it that um, I think the other thing to remember, and I think that's what this showed this year showed us, is that, yes, we have three interesting and somewhat mostly entertaining heavyweights you know, there's a little asterisk next to that because they're heavyweights uh, that are at the top of the division today. But they're all not that good. Uh, think about Otto Valin and um, Andy Ruiz, who, uh, you know, put both um, Joshua and Fury into life or death struggles. Um, so I do think that um, 
you know, I, like I've said in the past, I think Fury is the best of them. I am looking forward in 2020 to at least get an answer between Fury and Wilder. I think Fury emerges from that. Then I think uh, Fury versus Joshua would be a fight I would love to see. However, I'm not sure if um, Eddie Hearn would be all too interested in making that. Yeah, um, he is. Yeah, he is. I, I hope that would be great. Alex, Alex, how big of a fight oh, would that be? Not, no, forget the United States. How big would that fight be in England? Oh, it would be gigantic. It would, yeah, I mean... I and don't know. and I you know, you know I like that matchup for AJ better uh, than than Wilder. And, and the only reason why I say that about Wilder is because of Wilder's punch, not boxing skill, uh, because he doesn't have it. But but back to to Ruiz against Wilder. Ruiz Wilder. Listen, look at the two fights Ruiz lost. He lost to Joseph Parker, which he's still crying about, and he lost the second fight to AJ. And the, the, the blueprint of those two losses were the same. Box him from the outside, use a jab, movement, tattoo him when the opportunity's there, win a fight on points. That's how you beat Ruiz. Deontay can't do it. He doesn't have movement. He, he displayed a jab once, the, second, uh, the first fight against Deverne. Um, he doesn't have it. He's, he's reverted back to just power and that's the that is Deontay Wilder that's it that's all we're ever going to see that's in that's fighting into Ruiz's game because Ruiz is going to be in his chest I'm telling you Ruiz is going to beat Deontay Wilder should they fight I'm telling you right now yeah I mean I uh I mean I think he's got a big task to get past uh Fury uh in the first place but yeah I mean that's the thing that I think is interesting about these heavyweights is that um they we we've pretty much seen that any one of those matchups is a contest um, because not one of them. I mean, yes, each one of them has one or two skills that make them. You make make people say, "Oh, wow, see that skill? He's the best." But then um, there's enough flaws that they have uh, that make it interesting. Well, yeah, but can he do this or whatever? So uh, I don't know. One of the things that I think is going that I'm looking forward to also this year is seeing Usyk challenge one of these big guys. Well, uh, I he's, a manda- he's, a ma- he's a mandatory for AJ. Yeah, so, so I, I would love to see that. Um, I think AJ, of the three of them, I think AJ is the most vulnerable to Usyk um, because of what we've just seen uh, Andy Ruiz do um, and the way that uh, even in the way, you know, Joshua did not emphatically turn back the challenge of Andrew Ruiz. He just sort of undid the upset um, because that was a stinker last week. Um, yes, he won, and he did what, you know, that that's rarefied air to, you know, to regain the heavyweight title from the guy who beat you. But let's, he didn't do it in a dominant, that, that was no um, Lennox Lewis versus Hasim Rahman, too, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, just to, just to comment one more time on a potential fight between Ruiz and, and Wilder. Win, lose, or draw. And and assuming that Wilder loses to Tyson Fury like you, you've predicted many times for the rematch, I think the Andy Ruiz-Deontay Wilder fight is going to happen either way. That fight is going to happen. Um, I, you know, and, and I think Ruiz, whether, whether Wilder has a loss on his record when he fights Ruiz or not, I think Ruiz is going to get the better end of Wilder. I, but I've said that before. Wilder's pop, 
has has carried him through. You yeah, know? I mean, speak, speaking of pop, I mean, the fight that I most want to see in um, 2020 is Teofimo Lopez versus Vasily Lomachenko. Okay, I was just gonna. I was just amazing. You, 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 you and Dax must have a camera in here because I was just gonna ask you. I was gonna say, what was your thoughts on Lopez's victory oh. over Comedy? And now he earns a shot against Lomachenko. I don't know if that's such a such a big thing, but. You know, uh, Dax pointed out, I keep saying, Lomachenko's got, you know, he's an older fighter, but he is only 31, but he does have a lot of mileage on him. Could Lopez, who's a young gun, who's got speed, power, he's got heart, um, could he pose a challenge for Lomachenko? Absolutely. And I think part of it is because, I mean, Lomachenko is such a badass that part of why we're starting to see vulnerabilities vulnerabilities in him is that he's fighting beyond uh, the weight where he probably would be most ideal. Um, so because he's fighting now, at least that was in his last fight with Campbell, which was another really good fight this year, um, where Campbell was in that fight because part of it was that lightweights are just a lot bigger men than... Um, and we saw the same thing in Lenara's fight, then Lomachenko uh, can handle easily. Um, so I think that that's going to happen with the Lopez uh, fight. He's a big lightweight. He is so strong. Um, I really was all geared up for a good fight last night, and boom, that big shot. That really was the whole fight because then, I mean, you know, I mean, Comey's a guy from Ghana. Those guys uh, traditionally have incredible chins. He would have stood there until he was dead. Uh, so I, I like that stoppage because he was getting hit with big bombs. But, I mean, that first knockdown, you could tell he never really recovered from that. That was a discombobulating uh, right hand. It was sort of like a Trevor Burbick type thing. It disconnected uh, most of the neurons going up and down his spinal column, Billy C, because you saw those little stiff leg move he did. Yeah, and you know, I'm usually very critical of the referees, uh, especially in New York-based fights. But you know, at least the fights that were on TV, they they all seem to do a good job. I thought, you know, and uh, especially uh, in the Comey fight, I mean, uh, you know, the referee stopped it uh, in time, and the Kavaluskas fight, uh, the referee, you know, had him moving around, um, you know, so. They did a good job, you know. Um, a yeah. cu couple of the questions real quick. Um, Gamboa is taking on uh, Javante Davis, who I'd like to see Javante Davis. I mean, one of my dream fights for 2020 is Javante Davis against Lomachenko. Um, you know, I've, I'm a big fan of Gamboa. Most people think Gamboa doesn't stand a chance with Davis, and I can't say I really disagree. But do you think that this is going to be a competitive fight or do you think it's going to be a showcase fight for uh, for Davis? I have a feeling it's going to be a showcase, but if Gamboa um, expects to do anything more with his career, this is really the shot uh, to do it. So um, I, you know, I think, I can't remember a year where we've still had a couple of interesting matchups uh, in the last couple of weeks of December and some of which could actually be entertaining fights. Um, 
where, uh, you know, where we could see like uh, round of the year, fight of the year type thing. I mean, uh, Davis versus Gamboa could be fun because we know Gamboa uh, brings it and um, he's chinny. Uh, he's an action fighter. So all those ingredients could make for a fun fight. But yeah, I think Davis is more skilled and, and takes him out. Um, but I do think that uh, uh, the other thing that we have is the Charlo Harrison rematch. And we have um, Danny Jacobs versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., the fight that I thought was fake um, for a long time. But I guess that really is happening this week. Um, and um, we got a lousy Star Wars movie, too. So there's a lot going on before the end of the year. Well, you, you, you've, ru you've ruined it for oh, me. Oh, did I, did I mention that? <laughs> I, I was going to ask you about the Danny Jacobs, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., and uh, last week we were talking about Chavez. I mean, he's got more lives in boxing than Freddy Krueger had. But uh, does he stand a chance against Jacobs? I think he has he has a puncher's chance. But, um, nah, I, I mean, I think Jacobs has it all over him in skill. Um, and as long as he doesn't, um, you know, walk into something, I, I think he should outpoint him pretty easily. How, how do you think Chavez Sr.? Deep down, because if that is the case, and I agree with you about Junior, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, it seems like Julio Cesar Chavez Junior has become an opponent. How, how does how do you think Papa Chavez feels about that? That must be killing him. Yeah, I think you know it must be. I wonder what because I'm fascinated by. Um, you know, fathers and sons, uh, heavy fathers. Uh, you know, Hamlet's one of my favorite pieces of literature. I had a rough relationship with my dad. Uh, I wonder what that relationship is like. One thing I think in his old age, I think at least the father I hope can appreciate is that the son can make, you know, these big, big money deals. And, um, you know, so at least the son is uh, financially successful. Um, he's certainly not, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's not a chip off the old block in terms of his, uh, fighting prowess, but, um, in terms of providing for his family, I'm sure dad is plenty proud of him. Fighter of the year or fighter of the year. Um, uh, you know, Jack threw it at me today I, and I honestly didn't really give it okay. much thought, but, but I, I think, you know, either though, even though there's so many good fighters and, and Dax was very uh, accurate with, with the fighters he mentioned, I think Canelo's got to get the nod. What do you think? Um, well, Canelo might get the nod. I think it's Canelo or Ward in terms of fighter of the decade because we kind of should do that too. We're Dre? Yeah. Dre Ward? I think Dre, and I think that maybe that's why Dre looked like he was a little bit, did you notice he looked a little fitter than usual? Last night, I wonder if all the social media talk of him fighting Canelo has put him uh, on a more serious um, uh, gym track, because, um, I don't know, that's a fight I'd love to see, Canelo versus Andre Ward in 2020. I don't think it's going to happen. I think, you know, Ward would definitely want to fight someone first and then fight Canelo. Uh, if it does happen, I'd favor Andre Ward. Um, but I do think that um, I think uh, Canelo, yeah, versus Callum Smith would be good. Uh, I don't see him fighting Bivol. 
because uh, if if there's anything that Kovalev showed, um, one, I thought that Canelo kind of held back a lot in that fight because he knew he would get him eventually as soon as the opportunity opened up for him. But um, I do think that um, the thing that we know Bivol will do and that Kovalev showed you could do is you could jab the hell out of him. And Bivol would be throwing lots of jabs. I don't know if that's a fight that uh, Team Canelo will want. Uh, I think they might more likely go the Callum Smith route. Um, But uh, I don't know. I think I would have to lean towards Andre Ward as fighter of the decade uh, over Canelo. But Canelo makes a solid case for it. Mayweather makes a decent case for it. But, you know, come on. I don't uh, want to no. listen. I don't think I? I, I resume is better. I don't want to even mention his name, and and I'm not even talking decade. That's that's good. Um, but Andre Ward, I mean, Andre Ward did everything that you could expect. He wasn't a household name. He was with the wrong promotional team. Uh, he won the Super Six, which was really a, a fantastic tournament. I wish they kept it going. Um, you know, the, the fights with Kovalev, I mean, you could make an argument that, you know, he got a gift and won. Um, but I don't want to see him fight anymore. I think he's doing a good job. I think they have a solid broadcast team. Um, I, and Canelo, you know, when you bring the whole package, you know, it's like what I feel about Hall of Fame. You know, not only do you have to have fought some good fights and frequency of fights to, to win Fighter of the Year, but you had to have brought something to the sport. And I think Canelo has. Canelo's brought, uh, he sells out. You witness it yourself. Um, you know, he's got a lot of fans. Uh, he does think outside the box, although it's a calculated thought process. But still, uh, like, the, you know, like Dak said, Rocky Fielding, Daniel Jacobs, uh, Sergey Kovalev uh, for 2019, not too shabby. Um, and, and, and I do expect him to fight uh, a, a quality fighter uh, in 2020, probably May. Um, you know, whether it be a Callum Smith or, or Dimitri Bivol or a Dre. Uh, either way, it's going to be somebody substantial. I, I think I believe his rhetoric about that, um, that he wants the, only the best fights. As a matter of fact, I forget who he was talking to. Somebody called him out recently, and he basically just said, listen, no offense, but you're just not a big enough name for me. It's all about making money, and uh, and and that's it's fact, you know. So, uh, what about Crawford? Who would you like to see him fight? I would love to see uh, Crawford fight um, Errol Spence uh, if Errol Spence is 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 fit to fight. Um, maybe yet yeah, sounds at least there's rumors that that uh, accident was a little rough than um, we might have been led to believe little rougher than we were led to believe um i do think that that if there's any division that uh is ripe for a tournament right now a unification tournament it's welterweight um and it's unfortunate we have sort of the uh you know the pbc exactly what we worried about happening with the pbc is kind of what's happening where um you know they uh don't want to talk about the other guys that are under other promoters and um you know the only and and tim bradley went on a rant last night a very atlas uh style rant but i think he had a good point that the only pbc fighter right now that's sort of bucking the trend 
and fighting, uh, you know, crossing the street, as the kids say today, to fight um, against a, another promoter's fighter is Deontay Wilder. Uh, he's doing it against Tyson Fury. Now, granted, uh, that's an ESPN house fighter. So, you know, maybe that's why they're extra, extra, you know, giving him extra kudos for that. But I think at welterweight, you know, the fans deserve it because, I mean, come on. you got a guy like Crawford um, and you have another guy like Spence and we're not going to let them fight each other. That's just unfortunate. Uh, I think there's also talk. I mean, Manny Pacquiao is still in there. Uh, he would was someone I thought, well, what about this decade? If you look at in terms of fighter of the decade, his best fights were not in this decade. So Manny is sort of out of the running, I think. But he's still one of the top welterweights in the world. That's something that was sort of a surprise to me, at least in 2019, that he still looks as good as he does. You know, maybe he fights Mikey Garcia. Uh, and then we have sort of uh, the winner of Garcia Pacquiao. Um, you know, the winner of, um, uh, I don't know, if maybe um, Ugas is in there. And then the winner gets Crawford. Uh I don't know. I'd love to see that. I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, I think the other thing, Bill, that we have to remember is, uh, I don't know, in terms of for fighter of the year, I got to lean towards Inouye. Uh, I thought Inouye versus Donaire was one of my favorite fights of the year. It could be fighter of the year. could be it, fighter yeah. of the year. I think you could argue that it was because of the skill level of both guys. I think also what you find out later is that, yeah, in a way went the distance. Well, he had a broken eye socket from round two. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that um, an, another guy who had a great year, and he's always fun to watch, is uh, Emmanuel Navarrete. Um, I don't know. This sport is in really good shape. Even though there is an article um, that I wanted to send you a link, a, a Russell Peltz article that really, if you're a boxing fan, you should read it because it is sort of like, wow, uh, our sport's dying. Um, but it, it's, you know, like Larry Merchant says, uh, you can't save boxing and you can't kill it. Uh, it's just like Dracula. That's why I love it. And uh, we still had another good year in 2019. I mean, I think the upset of the year and the fuck the uh, friggin' um, the disappointment of the year was also uh, the Buster Douglas Award of the year goes to Andy Ruiz. Yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned Inouye against Nonito Donaire. Um, Donaire deserves credit because many of us, including myself, put him on the scrap heap not too long ago, you know, and uh, he put in a performance of the ages against uh, Inouye, and that was a classic youth versus age as well, you know, so. Yeah. But, oh, what? Uh, Julian Williams had another um, big upset, too, when he upset uh, Jarrett Hurd. That was another good fight. Yeah, you know, and, and Jarrett Hurd, I'm disappointed in that he's. He never tried to, to, to come back to, to get the rematch with Williams, you know. And, and, you know, he's like, oh, I'm coming back. I can't talk about it now. He, I saw an interview with him. I can't talk about it now, but I'm, I'm moving up in weight. You know, I mean, the guy could become a heavyweight. I mean, to, to, the thought that he was a junior middleweight to begin with was kind of strange. But uh, in any event, Alex, uh, I wish you and yours a uh, very Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. Give your brother... And those uh, nephews of yours, uh, a hello from me. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely, Billy C. Thank you so much. 
thank you for another great year and um, my uh, best to you and your family. Happy New Year. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. That's my man, Alex Papali, and uh, giving us his thoughts. And like I told you guys, uh, we're, uh, we're going commercial-free uh, today. Um, since it's our last uh, uh, live show of the year. Um, make sure you check uh, all of the uh, uh, radio stations that we're on. Make sure you uh, go uh, to them uh, and watch some of the shows. And don't forget about our 24-hour, uh, uh, seven-day-a-week um, channel, which is uh, available. Uh, if you had not signed, it's available on all the major streaming uh, services. If you don't have it, uh, make sure you uh, uh, get it, yeah, or uh, check it out. You can get all the information uh, on uh, uh, Ginico. Yeah, that's it, GinicoUSA.com. Uh, so uh, make sure you uh, check that out. But in any event, um, we are um, experiencing some uh, difficulty, it looks like. Um, let's... Uh, Let's see what's going on here. Uh, but joining us right now, I believe, is uh, Emily Harney. Are you with us? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear All you. All right. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, what'd you think of the fight, man? Some great photos, by the way. Uh, but what'd you think of the Terrence Crawford fight? Thank you. Um, Oi. Um, I was a little worried. I, I feel like from my vantage point, the first maybe five rounds I had a lot of images of machine you know the, the machine landing great shots and I felt like Terrence was trying to figure him out and I don't know if he was that awkward of a fighter for him or if there was just something off I don't know if you know he got called too quick because the Comey fight went so quickly was he not like right there but I just felt like something was a little bit off when he came out for the sixth round I think it was he started really moving around moving his head a little bit more um, and that's when he really kind of started to turn it on and now I do think the machine started to wear down a little bit you know as Terrence started to figure him out but it was an interesting fight to, to you know to, to start and I just wondered how he thought his performance was in that first half of the fight. And I also couldn't hear what his corner was telling him. So I'm curious if they thought the same thing. You know, he he has a tendency to really, you know, feel out his opponents and then just go in for the kill. And I, I thought he did the same thing last night. I do think that Kavaluskas was a guy that um, could have been underestimated. I, I mean, I kept telling people, you know, this guy isn't that bad. I mean, it's just right. somebody that nobody heard about. When I right. looked in and looked at his resume, I'm saying, well, look at all the fighters he fought. He fights all the fighters that a lot of young and up-and-coming fighters avoid. And, yeah. and he won, you know. And, and I thought yep. that he was holding his own uh, against uh, against Terrence last night. Uh, but Terrence Crawford is, is one of the best in the world. Uh, he's clearly a pound-for-pound fighter, top three. Uh, I, I could, I put him at number one. I flip flop him and and Lomachenko and Canelo. You could put him in, insert them in any one of those top three spots, or or have them all tie. And I'm I'm not going to argue with you. Um, but I thought that, I thought that Crawford did what he does, and and it's just a shame 
to to hear fans blame him for not fighting other fighters when I I don't think he would turn down any fight to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I don't think he would either. Um, you know, and that's the thing. I, I I do think there was an underestimation in his opponent. You know, and I think that happens often when people don't hear a name, you know, and it's easy to do research these days and it's easy to look at who people fight and who those people are and who they've fought and you're able to, you know, figure out if this person has kind of taken a cakewalk or not. And you're right, this guy hasn't taken a cakewalk. Um, and, yeah, I don't think he ducks anybody. I think a lot of times, and I think we know a lot of times, that people don't see this as a, a, a business. You know, we have to look at the longevity of a fighter. And it's not like he's taking easy fights. You know, he is fighting lucrative individuals, people who have an, an actual opportunity here to make something, you know, themselves. And I think the fans get frustrated because they want to see those big fights right away or, you know, oh, he's just ducking them, you know, and this is being offered. They don't always know what's really on the table, you know, and if that really is on the table, sometimes it's just somebody saying, hey, we want this fight to happen. And somebody making a fake poster to say, hey, it is happening. <laughs> you know? You're right. You're right. Okay. You, from your vantage point, um, was it a legitimate knockdown uh, in, uh, in the third round when Kavaluskas caught uh, Crawford? Crawford says he was never hurt. It wasn't a knockdown. Uh, I'm hearing split opinions. You were there. Tell me. Yeah, you know, I thought he was actually knocked down. And when I went back and looked at the shots, and I'd have to go back and look at video, too, to see if I was right, I thought he got hit and then fell. I didn't think he, you know, got hit seconds before that, moved, 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 and then fell. You know, like, I really thought he fell. And I talked to somebody later on in the night, and they thought the same thing. Um, you know, like, oh, that wasn't a slip, you know? So... I think sometimes, you know, the ref sees it a way that, you know, doesn't see the whole thing. I, I don't know where it happens so fast, but, yeah, I thought it was a definite punch. You know, he didn't – he said he wasn't hurt. And no, I don't think he was hurt. I don't I, either. I just, think he, I just think he got went down, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think he was hurt either. And I'm usually very critical of the referees generally in, in New York-based fights, but I thought that – you know the three fights that were at least televised were all were all refereed pretty well. Uh, so yeah. I, you know I don't have any arguments. I mean, to be honest with you, in all three of those fights, the referee was out of the picture frame for you know most of the fight, which I love. You know I, I can't stand Absolutely. it when they're like you know <laughs> thinking they're st that that Willis guy with the facial stuff. I mean, geez, Terrafimo Lopez uh, destroyed uh, Richard Comey last night. Uh, I love this kid. But, you know, it's a bittersweet fight, kind of, because now it, it seemingly set up a fight with Vasily Lomachenko. Do you think he's got a chance against Lomachenko? Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder if he just got Comey on a bad night, you know, um, or in the right spot. I would like to see if we could see that again and if it goes a different way. Um, I don't know, you know, and, and did Comey kind of, you know, feel himself a little, little too high on this fight and just, you know, there's things there that I think if he fights Lomachenko, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. Can I see that fight a little ways down the line after a few more fights for him? Yeah, but um, I don't know. I mean, obviously that's a big fight for him and that's who you want. You want the big fights, but is that the smartest fight right now? I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I mean, for for him, for him, I, I don't know if it is. For for Lomachenko, it is. But uh, oh, and I and I and I, yeah. I think you're right about Comey because you know he was. I never saw him smile so much in my life. You know, it was like he was he was like a Madison Square Garden. You know, ESPN. You know, I mean, you're right. It, it seemed like he was absorbing uh, the moment and then absorbed the shot that he just never recovered from. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see a, another opportunity given to him to see if we get a different result or just a better fight. You know, I mean, a great knockout. I don't take away from that. But, you know, a longer, more competitive, like, let's see if we can go toe-to-toe here because I do think Comey's got it in him. Emily, we, we've been talking uh, about fights uh, that uh, you'd like to see in 2020. Um, uh, you know, is there one that stands out for you that, that you would – you know, feel has to be made? Um, I'd actually like to see Tyson Josh, um, Tyson Fury and Joshua fight. Um, just thinking about the styles of these guys. And, you know, obviously we want to see Wilder fight Joshua, or some of us do maybe. Um, but I think I'd really like to see him and, and Tyson Fury go at it. Because I think in terms of what both of them bring to the ring, in terms of um, what comes next and, and the respect for each other and, and the skill too you know I, I, I feel like that's a, a great fight before we even see Wilder you know um, fight Joshua if that's what you know happens I know we got Tyson and and, um, and Wilder coming up in the beginning of the year but you know uh, that, that's something I would like to see I'm with you I, I, I like the matchup between Tyson Fury and uh, Anthony Joshua I think it would be a huge fight for boxing, uh, yeah. not only in the U.S. And, and for the heavyweight division, but it would probably be the biggest event ever in, in the sport of boxing in England. Um, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, as far as fighter of the year, who, who would you pick? Ooh, fighter of the year. That's a, that's a tough one. It is. Well, you know, they all put me, listen, uh, they put me on the spot because I came into the show today. It's our last (laughs) show of 2019. And Dax says, so who's your fighter of the year? I'm like, I didn't even think of any, you know, but, but, but I started, I started thinking and, you know, I mean, you can make the argument with Inoue uh, being one, Uh, his fight against uh, Nonito Donaire was, was classic. Um, uh-huh. you know, but, but I'm leaning towards Canelo and, and I look yeah. at Canelo and I say, you know, he did beat Rocky Fielding. He did beat yeah. Daniel Jacobs, you know, so he goes yep. up to super middleweight. He goes back to middleweight. And then he, that fight against Kovalev. I mean, people say, oh, well, you know, Kovalev was shot. Uh, Rocky Fielding no. was, was nothing. Um, but you know what? Canelo also brings, he brings something to the sport. And, and, and I think people have to weigh that in when they pick, I, I mine is Canelo. Did I lose you? Oh, I'm back. Oh. <laughs> hey, what, yeah. so, you know, I think Canelo. I think Canelo for me. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can understand that for sure, you know, based on everything that he did this year. Um, he definitely is is somebody to, to give credit to. Um, and he's really the one that was the most active out of everybody. You know, he really did a lot between this point last year where a lot of times you've already decided who the fighter of the year is. Um, in, into November, 
Um, and being able to go up a weight class, you know, and, and move around in that way is a, a big deal, you know, and to be able to dominate in that way. You know, you hear guys all moving up because they can't make the weight anymore, you know, and they find themselves a fish out of water. He really was able to, you know, stabilize himself there. Um, so, you know, I think he's a good case for it. Um, you know, I, I, I guess that's who you got to kind of look at right now. You know, I've, I feel like I've really, when I look at it, he is the most consistent fighter out of the pound for pounds this year. It's true. It's true. Um, before I, I let you go, I want to ask you your opinion. Okay. The fight, you mentioned it earlier and the fight's going to be happening early 2020. It's the rematch between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Um, how do you see that fight going, Em? And and who, what's your official prediction? Um, you know, I would, I I really want to go Tyson Fury on this. I feel like he's had a lot of time to mentally get himself into a, a space. Not that he hasn't been, but. You know, Wilder sometimes I feel like can be all over the place, and sometimes he's looking for that one-hit wonder. Um, and I feel like Tyson is, you know, obviously hip to that whole thing, but I feel like he does, in a way, hold the upper hand here. Um, I feel like there's a lot more pressure right now on Wilder than there is Fury. Um, and, you know, for a variety of reasons, I think people like Fury more and because he stands for a lot more valuable things and not just in our country all over the place and I think Wilder sometimes rubs people the wrong way um, so I'm hoping that Tyson Fury can uh, take him to court so I'm going Fury yeah you know I mean I, I'm with it's not going to be a knockdown it's going to be a decision you know it's going to have to be I don't see him stopping him you see, now, I look at it this way. Deontay Wilder, I, I, I don't think he possesses... He's not a talented fighter. He's The only thing he possesses is, is that power. And that power is second to none. And it's carried him for all of his fights. And, and so far, that's all he's needed. And chances are, he's going to continue to rely on it. And, you know, it is what it is. And, and people, he's exciting because people watch him for that knockout. With that said... I think if he goes in for the kill, which I think he will, I, I think that Deontay's going to go in for the quicker knockout against Fury this time. Um, but And that fights right into Fury's hands because Fury is going to expect that too. I just think that if Deontay has any other skill, the rematch with Tyson Fury should be the time he, he shows it. He needs to jab. He needs to, to, to confuse, not so much confuse Fury because you're not, but mix it up. Have Fury go to a plan B. Fury didn't have to change his game plan in the first fight. And if it picks up where it left off, he won't have to change it in the second. It's an interesting right. fight. I, I, I really, I, I'd, I, I'd like to pick Fury, but I have a feeling Deontay's <laughs> going to catch up with him, you know. But, uh, yeah. but we'll see. We'll see. But uh, anyway, Emily, I appreciate you joining us. I want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, we'll be looking forward to you. We'll be back right after New Year's. And uh, you'll be back, too. So uh, uh, we hope that uh, we have a lot to talk about then. Great. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you and everybody out there. I can't wait to 
talk to you in 2020. Yeah, it's not going to be that far away. You know, it's only a no, couple of weeks. <laughs> Makes it seem like it's, uh, you know, way far away. See you in 2020. You know, it's like two weeks. We'll be back. So uh, anyway, Emily, you have a great one. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Take care. That's Emily Harney, the best photographer in boxing. All the good shots out uh, on the uh, Terrence Crawford uh, fight last night. Uh, you'll see that the photos were taken uh, by our very own Emily Harney. I got some emails to read. Uh, this one's from uh, my man Matt from Buffalo. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., instead of the clash at the dunes, they should have called this the fart in the desert wind. Uh, from the Andy Ruiz, Buster Douglas impression to post-PED test Dillian White dancing, boxing fans were not in for a very scantilizing treat, uh, but rather a message to akin to Overeat is Anonymous. I'm hard-pressed to think that the Saudis appreciated paying $100 million for this uh, display. I suppose none of us can complain about chalking up 80 bucks amongst friends for a pay-per-view in the future, although Anthony Joshua won a fight with uh, polish from the outside, this type of bout is liable to put fans to sleep faster than a swing of NyQuil and a shot of Jack Daniels combo combination. NyQuil, I, I won't, I'm afraid to even take it. I, I had a bad experience from it. I, won't, I took it once and never do it again. Anyway, he says, at this rate, uh, in, match rooms, in the matchroom stable, my tender uh, paunch beer belly may warrant a title fight. All kidding aside, I was disappointed with the fight. My only question for you is this, Billy C. What is Joshua's game plan for 2020 after the recent scares? Is it back to matchroom secret service protection? Or will AJ fight a man with a body mass index of under 20 with a top 10 ring magazine rating? First of all, I, I, I agree that the fight wasn't uh, super exciting. But, you know, Anthony Joshua did what Anthony Joshua had to do. And, you know, I admire him for going back and, and you know, changing his approach to the sport. Uh, you know, you're going to see Anthony Joshua fight Pulov next. And then you're going to see Anthony Joshua fight Usyk. And then I have a feeling he's going to fight Tyson Fury. Um, I think Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua in England, uh, regardless of wins and losses by either fighter uh, to that point, will be the biggest fight in the history uh, of uh, of Great Britain, so uh, I am uh, looking forward to that. But I I get it a hundred percent. Don't forget me about fishing, Matt. Either thanks for the email. Uh, my man Augie uh, from Riverhead, Long Island, left me a voicemail. He says, "Billy, see what's the story with Errol Spence? Nobody's saying anything." Um, he's got another comment here. I, I said, "From what I hear, Aug." is that Errol Spence is hurt more than uh, we think from that accident. Uh, I've had heard rumors that it's his leg, and I've heard rumors that it's his hand. Uh, I did look at some photos uh, where his hand was kind of weird. It was, it was not, it didn't look right. Um, but I would not be shocked if we don't see him again. And if we do see him again, I think we're all going to notice a big difference in Errol Spence. Uh, so I do think that that accident caused more damage to Errol Spence uh, than initially anticipated. His second point was, why why is Crawford not fighting better opposition? You know, hopefully, Aug, you listened to the beginning of the show. He is fighting the best opposition. He can only fight the fighters that are willing to step in the ring with him. Um, you know, I was looking at the uh, uh, top fighters in the welterweight division. Errol Spence, 
you know, we, we don't know what's going on with him. He's probably going to be a champion in recess should he not be able to fight. The WBA has got, you know, 100 different uh, world titleists, Manny Pacquiao, Alexander uh, Bestbutin, and uh, Virgil Ortiz Jr., uh, all uh, champions in, in that division. Um, and, you know, he fought his uh, mandatory in Kavaluskas, uh uh, last night, and Kavaluskas was a much better fighter uh, than people thought. It's just the unknown factor. You know, if you don't follow the sport, and you don't know. But when I broke down that fight, and I said it earlier, um, you know, the, the level of competition that, that uh, me, Machine Kavaluskas fought uh, is seemingly the fighters that everyone else uh, uh, avoids. So I, I'm not going to be too hard on Crawford. Let's see where he goes in 2020. Uh, my man uh, Gavin, uh, a.k.a. The Frog, he used to listen all the time. Uh, he left me, you know, these guys are leaving me voicemails, uh, uh, audio prints and stuff. It's, it's pretty fun uh, uh, to get this stuff. But uh, Gavin said, after watching Anthony Joshua Ruiz rematch, it doesn't take a super trainer to figure out that a jab beats Ruiz. He said, just look at the Parker fight. I agree with Gavin 100%. And, you know, I... You know, in one of these comments that, uh, you know, uh, AJ should get rid of that trainer, um, he should add someone else. Obviously, they have a, a unique uh, relationship. Uh, they've been together so long. Uh, but that is the way to beat uh, Andy Ruiz. And the Parker fight's another example. So that's a great uh, uh, point that Gavin made. He said, uh, the other point is Fury will not last with Wilder in the rematch. I'm hoping you're wrong about that, Gavin. Uh, but I have a strange feeling as well. And he says a unification fight. Uh, he says, unfortunately, Wilder's going to catch up with AJ by the seventh or eighth round and knock him out. Um, he says Anthony Joshua has no chin. You know, I, I want to disagree with, with Gavin. But, uh, you know, uh, right now, Deontay Wilder's power has been over overriding his lack of boxing ability it's all he's needed that's what he's revert uh, reverts to um until somebody can can hurt him and and beat him up um he's going to still go to it he's going to go to it until it fails him and so far it has not failed him uh except for the fury fight and you know what failed it didn't fail Deontay. It failed us, the boxing fan, and that was the three blind, I mean the uh, three judges at ringside. Um, and finally, uh, actually, I got a, a couple more here. Um, this one is from my man. Uh, uh, who's this one from? Um, this is not from anyone. This is from uh, myself to, to the staff. <laughs> Uh, we will be back. Uh, this is me to remind you guys. Okay. We'll be back on January 5th uh, live. So uh, don't uh, miss that. Anyway, my last uh, email. This one's from my man, James. He says, uh, Billy C., I'm not ashamed to say that I recently flirted with dropping boxing as my hobby between a gluttony of titles and the Tyson Fury uh, WWE nonsense. I felt like professional boxing was turning into a joke. Then I saw the fight last night, the Crawford fight. Uh, 
and it gives me a bit of hope for the sport. We had a good hard-fought fight where both men won rounds, yet since it ended in a knockout, there'll be no BS with wonky judging. That's what boxing should be. What do you think, Billy C? Are we going to see more fights like this in 2020, or am I just getting my hopes up? I think we are. I think boxing is doing real well. Like I said, you know, the three, uh, four major promoters, Golden Boy, uh, Top Rank, and, of course, Matchroom, uh, they're all fighting each other, and that's what's creating these great fights. Then the other promoter in the mix is PBC. They're not. They're continuing the division of the sport, and, you know, they're going to eventually fall flat in the face because they're trying to create a boxing version of the UFC. Uh, it's worked they to a degree. It's created a, a new group of fans that really don't know the sport. I, I look at the Charlo brothers as a great example. Um, you know, they looked the apart. They're always in good shape, but they're not that talented. Those are like their two top guys besides... Deontay Wilder. And Deontay Wilder is a one-trick pony. Granted, that one trick has uh, put him in a, a great position. But, you know, I, I, I riddle me this, boys and girls. AJ got $40 million for the fight against Andy Ruiz minimum. $40 million. Deontay Wilder has not made $40 million in his entire career. Boxing, yes. It's the sport that we love to see two guys go at it and the, the best man wins. But at the end of the day, for the fighters that bust their butts training and give up uh, all these things, you know, you're looking at uh, fights uh, that are going to be the end of this year, next week and the 28th, the Gamboa Davis fight. These are guys that are, you know, giving up their holidays for the sport at some point in time. It's got to be about the do-re-mi. It's got to be about the money. And the truth of the matter is, is that Deontay Wilder has left millions and millions of dollars on the table by not fighting Anthony Joshua and some of the other fighters that he could be fighting for more money than the level of opposition that he is fighting. Now, granted, Tyson Fury is going to make some decent money, but he only made $5 million in the last fight. You know, Tyson Fury made more than him. I think he made eleven. If, I'm, if my numbers, uh, if my memory uh, serves me well. So I think, you know, the one thing I love about Deontay Wilder is his loyalty. He's extremely loyal to his team. Um, he needs to change his team. His team is screwing him. Uh, Deontay Wilder needs to start making some big paydays. He's got an opportunity to fight Anthony Joshua for a humongous amount of money. Um, should he get by Tyson Fury. I'm sure he's going to make double-digit uh, millions uh, for Tyson Fury rematch. We'll see. But uh, in any event, that's my thoughts on that. Listen, boys and girls, we had a great uh, 2019, and we're looking forward to 2020. We're looking forward to boxing, uh, keeping going the way it is. We'll be entering our 16th year. Uh, don't forget about our channel. Go back and catch up on some stuff if you're watching uh, on TV, go back and, and check this stuff out. You can always get uh, all of our replays on YouTube. Don't forget about our podcast. You can uh, sign up for that. And, of course, our 24-7 uh, TV channel. I want to thank all the radio affiliates uh, out there that broadcast our show, whether they're broadcasting on a daily or weekly basis. Uh, and special shout-out to my fellow Jet fan, uh, George Russell of uh, WSMN. 
we love uh, being part of the sports programming on WSMN, and uh, I appreciate it uh, from George. And uh, I want to wish all of you uh, happy holidays. I don't want to leave uh, any anything out, uh, and a uh, very uh, happy New Year to everyone. And uh, I hope you all come back and join us uh, when we're live again Sunday morning uh, on uh, January 5th. I believe that's the day. Yes, Sunday, January 5th, we'll be back live. So until then, I'll leave you with this. Make sure you tune in Sunday morning, January 5th. Don't be late. I'll be here. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, ciao, baby. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year and all that stuff.